0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this.
1: Adidas. bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos, and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gamblers' help, call 1 800 858 858.
2: Wrapping up the day's sporting issues deep into the night. This is Extra Time on SENZ. I'm
3: A run run, 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 away. Oh, oh, oh. psycho kiss, kiss, far, 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 far run, run,
0: run, 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 away. A little bit of uh, Talking Heads to kick things off. On this Monday, the 7th of November, very good evening and welcome into Extra Time. Mark Watson with you through to 11 o'clock tonight. We are taking your calls on 0800 150 811. That's 0800 150 811. You can text the program here on double eight double three. Around about 15 minutes time, we'll catch up with former Black Cap Ronnie Hira. We will preview... The midweek semi finals of the T20 Cricket World Cup England taking on India, New Zealand taking on Pakistan. Can you really go into a semi final in T20 cricket with momentum, with form? Such is the fickle nature of it. Bit of a crisis in Australian cricket. A lot of people saying that they need to have a bit of a clean out of their existing T20 side and go for youthful exuberance. But again, how much emphasis should you place on developing and building a T20 cricket side? It is a bit of a coin toss. Imagine tennis if it was just one set. How many times Roger Federer would lose? How many times the likes of Nadal would lose? Anyway, we'll put those questions to Ronnie here at around about 8.15 tonight. Uh, look, if you do want to have your say on any of the big sporting matters from over the weekend, uh, love to hear from you. I mean, news is not news for too long these days, is it? Um, I, look, I do just want to congratulate the All Blacks on that performance. I, I didn't see it coming. In fact, I said I said to um, Ben, um, who's producing tonight, that, look, I felt the All Blacks would lose that test to Wales over the weekend. And, and I don't think I'm the only one. But I'm not a coward wise after the fact. You know, you don't always get it right in this game. Um, But let's be honest, with what we've seen from the All Blacks this year, I don't think anybody was convinced that they'd beat Wales. And I'm still not sure anybody's 100% convinced that they're going to beat Scotland this week because we just haven't seen that consistency. I'm hoping we do beat Scotland. I'm hoping we do beat England and we can actually say, okay. We are now moving in the right direction. We are now moving in an upward direction. Laurie Maines back in 1994 was a bit the same. Lost a lot of tests to Laurie Maines. Um, almost lost test to Ireland back then. Um, dropped a lot of matches, if I remember. I'll have to bring up the years 93 and 94 to run through some of those results. But he got it right in '95. Now we didn't win that Rugby World Cup final, but I think a lot of our players were genuinely ill. But it, it was basically the nucleus of a great side in '96 that won the first ever Test series in South Africa with the likes of the Zinzan Brooks, the Robin Brooks, the Ian Jones, um, Olo, Olo Brown, Craig Dowd, uh, Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, it was a hell of a side. Uh, the great Zinzan Brooks mentioned. And your fingers crossed, you're sort of hoping, you're sort of hoping, with guys like Ethan Blackadder coming back into the team, Anton Leonard Brown, that we might do a similar thing. You might want to comment on that weekend, uh, again on the rugby, 0800 Are we also seeing the influence of Joe Schmidt are we seeing the influence of Jason Ryan? It's hard to give the credit to Ian Foster because remember, when the team wasn't playing well, he didn't accept any responsibility. They sacked the two assistant coaches, Plumtree being one of them. So if you're going to live by the sword, you've got to die by the sword. So if the team's suddenly going well and you've brought two new assistant coaches in, then surely the credit needs to go to them. 0800-150-8111. 800 uh, 150 Look, this Kiwi Rugby League team um, only just got up over Fiji, got Australia next week. Can we beat the Aussies? Can we beat the Aussies? I don't think we can. I mean, neither of these sides have really had any tough games, have they? And we probably went into that quarterfinal a little bit complacent We've won everything so comfortably that perhaps we just had a slightly soft underbelly. I didn't pick Samoa to beat Tonga either. Big upset. Feel sorry for the Tongans. I know how much they love their rugby league and we've seen what they do do when the Tongans play here in New Zealand and it's one of the best environments you'll get in New Zealand sport, but it is what it is. Samoa getting up and beating England in a semi-final. Can you see that happening? I can't. Sonny Bill Williams... It's amazing how this guy is so polarizing and you either love or hate him. I admire the guy for taking on boxing. No one has any right to tell someone else what they can do and can't do. I mean, to get in the ring with Mark Hunt, I said right from the start, you are confusing ability with ambition. Mark Hunt, on his day, is an absolute mongrel. Mark Hunt is a metaphor for that sort of saying that you know, you've got that one punch chance of winning a fight. But we're two for Sonny Bill Williams. How many people paid the 40 bucks to watch that? If so, why? 0800 150 811 is the number. You know the most pleasing result of the weekend, though? Argentina beating England in rugby. The arrogant English, I cannot stand English rugby, absolutely hate them with absolute utter disdain. Constantly tell us that the all-black aura is no longer when the all-blacks lose. The moment they win unmatched, they're the greatest side that's ever played. Their performance is always inflated. They score a, not a bad try, and it goes down as the greatest try in history. But I think also what's pleasing about it is that Argentina have finally genuinely found that consistently and established themselves as a legitimate international side who on their day are good enough to now beat anybody. And that's good for world rugby. It's no longer five out of the six nations plus Australia, South Africa, and New Zealand. Probably might not include Scotland. But you've got another country who genuinely can probably win a World Cup. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one is the number. Hi Evan.
4: Yeah hey mate how are you? Good thanks. Yeah what do you reckon?
0: About what Evan Are you there Evan?
4: Yes I am. Hello. Yeah, talk to me. Yeah, you'd rather see the Kiwis go into a tight quarterfinal like that to be battle hardened for the semi final. You'd rather go into a tight game against, you know, Fiji. Who cares? We have got the monkey off our back to beat them because we lost them in last year's World Cup. Rather than a team like bloody, I don't know, some low team and beating them 70 to 0. You'd rather go and battle hardened, wouldn't you? So we might get over them.
0: Yeah, look, I um, I, I think there's some merit in what you say. I mean, the thing is, we got a bit of a wake-up call, and we did get a tough game. Australia haven't had that, and so it'll go two ways. We learn from that, and we're better for it, and we found a way to win it. And that does set us up for Australia. And you've seen the England women's rugby team talking about their narrow escape against Canada and how actually it might be the reason why they go on and win the Women's Rugby World Cup. So, look, I think there's a lot of merit in what you say, Evan.
4: Yes, I think so because no, you want them to try and play their hardest against you know Aussie and no, you want them to try and have as good good as game as they can because like our forward pack is of the best in the in the bloody World Cup but we just need a good kicker. Get rid of bloody uh, who's our kicker, Jordan Rapana, and we just need to get someone who can kick the ball properly because that's what we kind of what might lose us the game because we just don't have a hundred percent kicker and our stocks, and it was pretty bad that we had um, Chance Cox in our centre, because they dropped... Who's the Canberra centre? Uh, Chris, is it? Um, yeah. So and Chris, kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of unfair as well, because, like, Chance couldn't even make the Canberra team towards the end of the NRL season, and their, you know, number one centre wasn't even in the team, so, nah, it's just a couple issues on... You know, picking who would yeah. pick, here. Right?
0: Hey, hey, hey even look, I really do hope that we get up over Australia. I want to ask you this: What would be a bigger achievement than New Zealand, the New Zealand Rugby League team winning the Rugby League World Cup, which we've only won once back in two thousand and eight, or the New Zealand women's rugby team winning the World Cup?
4: Mm, I'd rather us win the Rugby League World Cup, to be honest.
0: <laughs>
5: yeah,
0: I, even I hate to say it, I'm with you as well, mate.
4: Yeah, because what would you rather, the Black Caps win the twenty twenty World Cup, or would you rather the Kiwis win the World Cup?
0: I'd rather the Kiwis win the World Cup.
4: I would as well, because there's a little bit more merit to it as well. Well, we t- t-
0: yeah, no, T20 cricket's a game of chance, and I think of the different World Championships they have in cricket, I don't think it stacks up um, in comparison to the one-day format. Um, and I think that's highlighted by the fact that the West Indies won the previous two T20 Cricket World Cups prior to Australia winning it last time. And how many people remember that? Look, it'll be a big deal if we win it. Wouldn't it be nice to win both? Wouldn't it be nice to win all three? Will it be one of those? We win the Cricket World Cup, we win the Rugby League World Cup, or we win the Women's World Cup? Or do we lose all three? Do we win one? Which one's more important? Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. We'll take a break. You're listening to S E N Z. It is 16 minutes after 8, let's talk some T20 Cricket World Cup, looking forward to Wednesday night, 9 o'clock, we'll have live coverage, ball by ball coverage here on SENZ, it is the semi-final of the T20 Cricket World Cup, it is New Zealand taking on Pakistan Thursday night, it is India playing England to talk about this, a man who played a number of T20 games for New Zealand, a black cap, Ronnie Hera. evening to you Ronnie, welcome. Evening Mark, how are you? Good, what are you doing with yourself these days, big guy? Working, <laughs> yeah, like everybody. Else. Uh, are you working? Are you working in cricket, or are you working sort of in the civilian life?
6: Uh, no, no cricket for me. I work in a digital agency uh, based in Auckland. Um, so, yeah, it keeps me pretty busy. I'm in the client management and uh, portfolio management side. So, yeah. Um, pretty much as far away, removed from um, sport and cricket as, as possible.
0: I always like to ask athletes that have been sort of at that professional level, how did you find the transition going from being sort of a full-time, or maybe not a full-time, but basically from being a professional cricketer to then having to sort of get back into civilian life?
6: Uh, I didn't find a uh, ch- ch- I mean, getting an opportunity to find uh, meaningful work was the most difficult part um i don't think it was the transition from being a cricketer or a, or a sportsman i was just thinking finding my place and finding something i was interested in and also finding someone who was willing to give me an opportunity um and see my my soft skills i guess um from being a cricketer and uh, also well, i mean a, a sportsman i wouldn't call myself a professional but a but a sportsman um and then seeing those soft skills and then being willing to to train me and also put in that investment um to to upskill me
0: was it always the intention? Did you always have the intention of wanting a professional career? And how old had you made that decision that you knew that cricket was never going to last? It was never going to be the only thing.
6: Uh, well, I mean, I, I think I fell into it um, in terms of playing for Auckland. I was a net bowler, and then um, got asked to play um, for Auckland and, and attend a few more trainings and things. So I sort of fell into it, and then yeah, sort of fifteen years later, you're kind of sort of figuring out what to do next, but. I did quite a bit of, uh, I guess, fore planning in terms of my exit out of playing, and I guess I relatively finished uh, quite early at 29 uh, for a spin bowler. Um, I think the writing was on the wall for me. I probably wasn't going to play for the Black Caps again, so um, you know I was probably going to get overtaken yeah. by guys like Ish and Mitch Santner. So um, my window sort of closed, and I had to be brave enough to, yeah, sort of start a career at that time at 29 and I'm 36 almost now so yeah I'm sort of five six years into a working career.
0: Yeah no remarkable yeah tough decision tough decision indeed so looking back on your career did you sort of achieve more than you ever thought you would achieve as a cricketer?
6: Uh, Yeah I mean if you'd say that I could have played one game for New Zealand and the handful that I did play I would have been pretty happy with that um, but also then thinking all the other people that put time and effort into developing my career at various levels and stages. Um, it was it was all worth it. For for the one time I got to play with guys like Brendan McCullum and, and Martin Guptill and uh, Salvi and those types of guys and had my name up uh, in the same team as theirs, I guess it was all worth it, yeah, even for one game.
0: Mm. Is there one ball you remember at international level that you bowled?
6: Uh, I can remember some that I got hit for. Um, <laughs> for sixers, big sixes. <laughs> being, a, being a spin bowler. Um, but I guess I, get, I can remember the times where I was out there with the bat, actually, because there weren't too many of those. Um, got a chance to bat at Eden Park under lights against England, which was quite cool. Um, faced one ball from Dale Stane, and he, and he got me out. So um, a couple of highlights, um, for sure. Yeah,
0: OK. Look, um, we take on Pakistan, India take on England. Of the other three teams... Which team would you prefer New Zealand to be playing?
6: One that got eliminated, actually, South Africa. <laughs> um, I was hoping that they would have. Um, I was hoping that they would have snuck through the semi-final, and um, their their monkey on the back would have been a lot larger than than ours in terms of trying to make the final. We've done it over the last little while, so I would have rather they had um, got up against Netherlands and, and squeaked through. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about playing Pakistan. They always seem to to turn up and, um, you know, do very well against New Zealand in semi-finals. Uh, I know it was in the in the 50-year World Cup, but, yeah, 1992 and also 1999, where they turned us over mm. into one-day World Cups. Um, they're, they're a dangerous team. They would probably be the least favourite that i like to play.
0: Yeah, I remember that. I was at that game at Eden Park in 92 with Inza mummel Huck. Yeah, Martin Crow scored 100 that day, and you're right, they tipped us up and went on and won it. And who would have thought that Imran Khan would become the Prime Minister of that country and End up almost being assassinated just a couple of days ago. It's 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 a remarkable world in which we do live in. Okay, so let's. What do New Zealand need to do to beat Pakistan here? I mean, do we bat first? Do we? Is batting the way to go? I mean, what's the strategy in T Twenty cricket? What are some of those automatic default settings?
6: I mean, I think they'll assess the conditions. They've played on a number of used wickets over the last few games towards the end of the group uh, or um, group stages. So, I think it should be a fresh wicket um, and. Yeah, on a fresh wicket under lights, so I'd say they probably wanted to be batting second if there's any type of dew, the balls get on and maybe negate some of their spin bowlers and their slower bowlers. Um, but I guess the pattern of um, how they played against Australia in that first game at the same venue would be probably what they'll want to take in. If they had the choice to really um, bat, batting second or batting first, Is it, it, really going hard at those first six overs um, for now on. and. And Conway, although well, Conway's game's not really to go that hard, it is just to leave it to Finallan to get us off to a hot start. Um, I said it last game, and this is more of a, a pattern thing for, for our team. And Kane Williamson obviously is a class player, and, and I'm not really talented enough to tie his shoelaces when it comes to batting. But, you know, I really would like to see Glenn Phillips maybe go in if Finallan gets out, um, because it just carries on that, that aggressive momentum, and then guys can bat around um, those hitters, and it just really keeps the. The momentum going. Um, you know, I mean, if you get Conway and Williamson at the crease, which has happened a number of times this tournament, um, the run rate does slow down for at least two or three overs before it starts to pick up again.
0: Okay, so maybe changing Glenn Phillips, putting him at first drop, Williamson at second drop. Outside of that, do you like the balance of this New Zealand team? Do you like the look of it? Would you make any changes?
6: No, no, I wouldn't. I, I do like the team. I just think it can be mixed up a little bit, just in terms of who goes in for who, who gets out in terms of the batting lineup. Um, but I don't think there's anyone sitting on the bench, um, which they'll call in um, this late in the state, uh, this late in the piece, heading into the, the two biggest games.
0: Sri Lanka were very effective against us by opening up with spin. Could you see Pakistan doing something similar?
6: Yeah, they've got a left-arm spinner. Um, he'd probably be more likely to bowl in the, right, the leggy. Um, yeah, but I just again, it depends on the surface. I think if it's a new surface, they might want to to use the pace bowlers earlier on and maybe use a spinner towards the end of the power play. But yeah, I mean, if they are going to open, it will be probably with a left-arm spinner.
0: How much momentum can you take into a T20 game, into a T20 tournament? I mean, it's a little bit of a game of chances, isn't it? One or two players can take it away from you on their day. Can you go in with momentum?
6: I think you can go with confidence. Um, I'm not sure if you can write any momentum from, from the previous games. Um, guys who are in good form will take that confidence and and the belief that they've played well in previous games. Um, But, yeah, like you say, it only takes sort of five to ten balls for a game to to turn on its head with with someone getting hot or, you know, someone taking two or three wickets within the space of two overs. So um, it literally is those fine margins. And and because of T20 and, and how short it is, I mean, it's not the, you know, people might not see it as the purest form of the game and also... Uh, probably third on the list uh, when you think about it in regards to one-day cricket or Test cricket, um, it does have its, um, you know, it does have its quirks. You know, you, you don't really don't have a lot of time to to um, to dwell on things. You just have to really, you know, if you are in a bit of a, you know, two or three balls and things aren't going that well, you know, in two or three balls they can change so quickly. So. Mm. Um, momentum, no, but confidence. I think you can take some confidence into these games.
0: Yeah, when you're batting confidently, we often see it, and we see a team that needs to suddenly, you know, after the last three overs, need to want to try and, you know, hit thirty, thirty-five, forty runs, and we often see players go away from their conventional game and look to slog. Um, why did, what, what, yeah, what is the sort of the methodology around that? What, what's the, what, what are the rules that govern that? I, I mean, are you better just to play um, more orthodox or and why do players tend to sort of just go for the big slog
6: Yeah I mean if you don't have it in the kit bag um, if you're trying to bring it it out under pressure it can can become quite difficult. Um, You have some guys that are naturally able to strike the ball under pressure and those types of guys um, you want to decrease so I think when you find guys that, that are that are playing outside of their game at that stage of the innings, they're, they're under severe pressure. Whether they do need ten and over or or fifteen and over, um, they're really looking for an option that's really low percentage in terms of success. Um, so yeah, you can you can go to a more orthodox model, but it probably doesn't come with as much reward. You know, it's risk versus reward type stuff. Mm. Um, but then you have guys down the bottom of especially our lineup. Uh, Nesham, um, guys who can really clear the boundary. Um, Glenn Phillips, like I mentioned, is batting in the middle there. Um, you know, those guys can clear the boundary. And what seems unconventional is probably more conventional for those guys that practice it a lot.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it, T20 cricket? And uh, we have sort of seen a lot more. What used to be unorthodox shots have become sort of stock standard that a lot of kids are now practising. There was a little bit of criticism around this Black Caps team prior to that first game against Australia. Um, and maybe that Kane Williamson, we were just a little bit too conservative. We weren't attacking enough. We needed maybe a little bit more of that Brennan McCullum type style and then we saw it against Australia. Do you think there has genuinely been a conscientious shift to be more attacking, and that this is the way we need to play if we're going to have any chance?
6: I guess there's no more um, case in point than dropping Martin Guptill. Um, he's probably, well, he's not probably by the stats. He's one of the most successful T20 batters to ever play international T20 cricket. So, dropping him for Finn Allen, who's you know, a, a really hot talent, and he's got the hot bat at the moment. But, you know, for someone who's unproven, for someone who has such a, a vast record, I think it really did show a shift in mentality from, from the backcats. They knew they needed someone at the top of the order who was going to take a few more risks. Um, and they went with that, and, and in that first game, it's really set them up for the rest of the tournament. It gave them some, some luxury um, in losing to England, especially by... Not a not a big margin, but keeping their run rate healthy enough to to finish as top qualifiers and winning the rest of their games. So, just I think in that one move and that one selection, you probably found that it was, um, yeah, they they were obviously going for something more attacking. How much
0: coaching is done in the days leading up to the semi final? Um, how much analysis of the opposition and how does that look, how does that play out in the team environment? Are they sitting around in a room looking at video monitors? How much discussion, how much talk uh, maybe in small groups or collectively as a whole?
6: Uh, Yeah, two points there. I think the second point is probably a little bit of that's going on because they just played Pakistan recently in Christchurch in that tri-series, so they'll have enough recent data and um, trends that they can go that they can go to to, to analyse what what guys are going to do. There aren't any new players that Pakistan have introduced, as far as I can see, that will take the Black Caps by surprise. So um, they will have that information at their disposal. Um, and, you know, they've just got to back themselves in terms of their plans and, and what, they're, what they've got um, in regards to can they be coached at this time. I don't think they can learn anything new, let's put it that way, um, but going to the game with what they've got. Um, and I think they'll back the personnel they've used for the last few rounds, at least. Um, and then, yeah, I guess it is just a, a match up thing on the day. You know, who can who can execute the the best under under high pressure cricket.
0: Mm, okay, let's just uh, quickly get your thoughts on the semi final that follows the day after, and that is between the might of India and England. Uh, do you have loyalties to either? Or is there a team that you prefer New Zealand to play in the final? If we, in fact, beat Pakistan, of course.
6: Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the best the best scenario is that we beat Pakistan and we go to the, and we go to the final. But um, look, just just purely for what happened in England um, at Lords and, and how that played out and, and things like that, it would be nice to tip, tip England over um, and win one uh, win a, a final against them. And I think the games that New Zealand play against um, England are, are pretty close. We match up against them um, you know pretty closely. Um, the only other thing I'd say is that, you know beating beating India with all that support it, um, wherever they play is going to be um, <laughs> it's going to be a sellout. So the atmosphere is going to be red hot. Mm-hmm. So if you can turn them over on a day like that, um, you know, it's sort of the the type of stuff that dreams are made of.
0: Yeah, Ron, I was going to ask you. I mean, I, I see you were born in England, but your heritage is it of Indian background?
6: Yeah, oh, yeah, I was born in New Zealand. Um, yeah, yeah, my but, family, my father was born in New Zealand, but um, yeah, my family uh, originated from India. Yeah, so um, any, but I don't have any. No, any, I was going I to ask any allegiances to them. No, I was going to ask whether you, <laughs> um,
0: whether you, your family, or possibly grandparents, still have an allegiance to India?
6: No, no, no. I mean, um, yeah, my grandparents have long passed, but my uh, my dad was born in New Zealand. As far as I'm concerned, um, I'm more a lot more Kiwi than I am um, Indian. Obviously, I just look a little bit more and then, then I do um, the normal sort of Kiwis that are running around but you know same as sort of Ish Sodi and uh, Adas Patel we're um, you know we're represented New Zealand or representing New Zealand um, and yeah when, the, when you're playing against them or you see them in a tournament and come up, come up against them then yeah there's no sort of allegiances and I know that my family would be uh, backing the Black Caps and uh and some of the guys that we know in the team as well.
0: Yeah, no, no. I was sort of probably more wondering if there might be some favoritism towards India over England. But um, it sounds to me like oh,
6: no, I, I, I genuinely believe that um, if we can if we can play England in the final, um, we've played them enough now, and we've had some really good goes at them. I think we'll get one over them. India's probably more dangerous. They've got a, a really you know fiery batting lineup, and um, and we haven't played them for a while. That's the other thing. So. Um, sort of that. to your point earlier, you'd have to do a bit more scouting and a bit more research on those guys as to developing plans, and it yep. probably wouldn't be over a, a longer period of time, right? You've got to do that over like a two- or three-day turnaround.
0: Ronnie here, it's been an absolute privilege to chat to you. Um, outstanding. Thank you for taking the time and joining us on the program.
6: No dramas any time.
0: Thank you. Ronnie here there. Uh, some wonderful insight. What a great story he is in his own right. You know, turning up and being a bit of a Nets ex- bowler for some of the Auckland boys, then getting into the Auckland side and then going on and playing for New Zealand. 20 matches at a T20 level. 20 more than most of us. 28 minutes away from nine. Uh, your thoughts? You've heard the interview. 800 150 Pakistan, does it, they scare you? Look, I, I, I think any side scares me. And I tend to probably go into all of these games a little bit pessimistic because just so often we've come up short in big cricket matches, haven't we? And we haven't got that monkey off our back just yet. Going to need to get off to a good start, whether we bat or bowl. I think we've certainly got the bowling line up to restrain Pakistan, but I think they've also got the bowling line up to restrain us interesting point that Ronnie Hera makes of bringing Glenn Phillips in ahead of Kane Williamson if Finn Allen should find himself back in the pavilion early bring out a stroke maker, bring out an attacking batter 800 150 hundred-150-811 is the number if you want to talk some cricket. The lines are open too, just on those other matters that we did discuss. Anything that you wish to discuss from the weekend? Uh, Rugby League, the fact that we only just got over Fiji, does that actually put us in good stead? Because it's a timely reminder about complacency. Are you confident that the All Blacks will go on and beat Scotland? Or... Have we just still not seen enough consistency under Ian Foster to still not be a little bit jittery? There's talk that they might change the starting lineup to this all-black team. I still don't understand why they do that. Stick with your best side, build some momentum. There is too much rest and rotation. They're saying it's only a six-day turnaround. Hey, guys are going to play for 60 minutes. Surely they're fit enough, surely they recover both mentally and physically within 6 days. Why risk getting beaten by Scotland for the first time in our history? Because I'm not sure that I've seen enough from the wider squad to be convinced that we can that we have that luxury. 0800 150 811 is the number. And how good was it to see Argentina beat England? Double eight, double three is the text number. We've got some texts that have come in too. I'll get to those off the back of the next break. But we will take a break. You're listening to SENZ. 21 minutes away from
7: nine. Ben Francis, good evening. How are you? Fantastic, Waddle. Every time you're in the SENZ studio, I'm always happy. Music? You don't know it. I'm asking you. Well, I thought with Ronnie Harry, you were doing quite a lot of reminiscing, so I thought I'd bring some Little River Band. Nice. Nice.
0: Yeah, I've got to say, in the last three or four days, my memory has been just awful, and I'm not sure why. I'm wondering whether maybe the scrap that I had with Jesse Ryder years ago is coming back to bite me a little bit, and that perhaps I did pick up a bit of a head injury and I just haven't been right since. I'm not joking about it. You might hear some uh, Robert Plant next hour. Yeah, that's right. Yes, that was one of the great um, embarrassing moments on here, wasn't it? It was. Um, some texts that have come in. Oh, just after, by the way, after 10 o'clock too, we'll get Guy McRae out of the UK. We'll look at some English Premier League. Great to see my boys. Um, Liverpool get up over Spurs this morning 2-1. Uh, ironically, Guy McRae is a Tottenham Hotspur fan. He has season tickets and watches them religiously. In fact, we swap quite a bit of social media. Um, so it'll be interesting to get his thoughts on that performance because I've got to say, in the week leading up to it, he was nervous. In fact, he felt Liverpool were going to win that game, and I'm not sure why, because Liverpool haven't shown enough for me to suggest they were going to win that game. One of the great songs. Just some text that have come in. Hi, Mark. I hope the Kiwis are tough enough mentally to complete the job at the in the World Cup final if they beat Australia this week. Compare that to England in the Rugby World Cup when they played their final a week too early versus the All Blacks and fell over against the box. Yeah, that's a really good point and that'll be an interesting one even for the Black Ferns this weekend. All the emotion of beating France. Now, can they lift themselves one more time? Can they put it together against England? And that will be a really interesting thing if New Zealand beat Australia. Can they then go on and beat England in the Rugby League World Cup? Really good text. Appreciate it. Um... Foster should have gone home with Kane, both hopeless. Schmidt will take us to the World Cup. I don't disagree with that. I'm still not an Ian Foster fan. Um, someone else is texting in saying, as long as Ian Foster keeps with the same 23-ish, you have to give him some of the credit. Yeah, look, what, and I did say this yesterday with Ian Jones in studio. One thing that Ian Foster has done, he has stuck with the same group Even through all the losses, he still believed in them. He has still stuck with the same group. And to be fair, they have returned the faith slowly but surely. What I will say, and I'm keen to get your thoughts on this, this all black team is a better side without Sam Kane. It might sound tough, that might be harsh, but it is a better team without Sam Kane. Sam Whitelock is a better player at this point in his career because of the captaincy. And without our lack of quality locks with experience in this country, Sam Whitelock is vital. And if the captaincy gets the best out of him, let him retain the captaincy. 800 150 is the number. If you'd like to have your say on the programme, if you could win one, of the three World Cups, significant World Cups, I know there's a Women's Rugby League World Cup, but I'm not gonna get caught up in that. I'm sorry, it, it, I i I don't rate it. It's it's there's just not the depth, there's just not the players in this country and globally in rugby league, women's rugby league to take that too seriously. And that's just the harsh reality of it. I'm not gonna be um get caught up in this political correctness and uh, this politicising of some of these women's events and trying to make out them to be actually bigger than they are. So, but if you could win the women's rugby world cup, the cricket T Twenty World Cup, or the rugby league world cup, which would you choose? If you could choose just one, which one? Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one Ben. I know what I'm choosing. I'm going rugby league.
7: Can I, can I can I can I give an option D, please? Scotland to beat the All Blacks this weekend.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can't see it. I don't know. I just haven't seen enough from Scotland in the last two weeks to suggest they've got enough momentum. And Ian Jones made some good points yesterday where he said that they just don't believe they can beat us because they've never beaten us. A draw against us in 1983 and I think one other draw, but they've never beaten us. And how much does that weigh on their shoulders? But with this Ian Foster team, if it is still an Ian Foster team and if it's moved on and become a Joe Schmidt team, then I don't think they've got a chance. But if it's
7: still a Ian Foster team, hey. I, I I think it's going to come down to team selection because usually against Scotland, the All Blacks do a bit of rotating in their team. And Scotland came, I know it was a few years ago, but Scotland came very close to actually tipping up the All Blacks last time in at Murrayfield. Yeah, really really, really good side a few years ago, yeah. And the the thing is, you've got to remember, so Scotland, they played that game against Australia where they had the kick, which nearly cost them the game. And that game, they could only select Scotland-based players because the game fell outside the international window. It's kind of like when, I think last year, the All Blacks played Wales, uh, and the All Blacks absolutely obliterated obliterated them, but that's because they could only select Mm. Welsh-based players because it was outside the international window. So last week against Fiji... Fiji under Vern Cotter, who previously coached Scotland and John Mitchell, they're getting better. It's kind of like it was kind of like that first game back. They've got everyone back in camp, so why can't they be more ready this no, week? Yeah, but again, and
0: the All Blacks can get beaten if the All Blacks decide to go with, you know, change it all up and suddenly go Akira Awani. And I believe on the side they of will. The scrum, and then if we go, um, what's his name, the backup number eight from Auckland, so I keep Hoskins Satuto. Yeah, if you put Hoskins Satuto in. And you suddenly drop Ardi Sevilla and then you put Tupuvaya and you have a similar sort of side that took out against Japan, we could get beaten. And I sorry, to me there is no logic in changing this team. I'm sick will. and tired of these players being wrapped in cotton wool and somehow believing that having a break is going to make us better. I think you keep the momentum. I just think you keep building on the momentum for three weeks. And why wouldn't you do a dress rehearsal for the Rugby World Cup? Because that's what you're going to need to do. You're going to need to have your best team in the quarterfinal. You're going to need to have your best team in the semifinal. And you're going to need to have your best team in the final. So why not? Why not
7: give these guys a dress rehearsal a year out and put them under that sort of pressure? Because they brought Roger Tui-Vastacek and Braden Enor back in and you're not going to bring them in unless you're not going to play them. They're going to play those guys because all that's going to be like, it's going to be Scotland. They're going to do what England did to Canada in the Women's Rugby World Cup semifinals. They're going to go into that game thinking, oh, we're going to beat them easy and then Scotland are going to come out firing and they're going to be caught off guard and then we're going to see an upset. In saying that though, I'm not... 100% 100% confident about Scotland's win. If they had Finn Russell their first five there, I would be a lot more confident because that man can break a game open, but he's not going to be there. But I reckon the all Blacks are going to fall into that trap. They're going to make too many changes to their team and Scotland are going well, to do something unexpected. Said,
0: and I'd love to get people's thoughts. So 800 158 811 do we make any changes? Why not use this as a dress rehearsal? Why not put your starting 23 out Treat it like a World Cup. We've just won the quarter final against Wales. We've got a semi final against Scotland, and then a week later we've got the final. Dress rehearsal. Let's see what our guys can do. Three games in a relatively short turnaround. Replicate the World Cup. O eight hundred one five oh eight double one is the number. Seven minutes away from nine o'clock, someone's texted in and said, I agree, Women's Rugby League World Cup is not as good in standard as it could be, but I say to you, Mark, in due time, the Women's Rugby League will be a better better on standard. Trust me on this one. Look, that's what I'm saying. I've got no problem with these Women's Rugby League World Cups, these Women's Rugby World Cups, uh, men's netball. I think we can use that model as well. But let them evolve just let them organically grow. Let's not manufacture them. Let's not try and make out that suddenly they are on par with, say, the men's equivalent, or in the case of men's netball, the women's equivalent. Just let them go. Let's not, you know, if, if, say, the women's rugby league team win the women's rugby league World Cup, the reality is I, I wouldn't have them part of any halberg discussion. I just don't think the standard's there internationally. Um, I just don't think there's any real depth of competition. That's not to say in 20 years from now that might not be the case. And I do apply that to a degree to the Women's Rugby World Cup. Yes, Canada pushed England, but the reality is there's still only three teams that I think genuinely good enough for winning it. Hopefully the next time the World Cup comes around, there will be five teams. And then beyond that, six teams might stagnate at six for a while. And then eventually, 30 years down the track, we've got seven teams that can win it. I I tell you, I'll talk a little, actually, I'll I'll save it till after nine o'clock. Got plenty of audio that we will bring you, including Michael Checker. Um, We'll bring you some English Premier League audio. Um, just audio from over the sporting weekend. So we'll do that between 9 and 10. But I do want to keep the lines open um, on 0800 150 uh, Peter McSee believes the All Blacks will win by 30 this weekend. I hope you're right, Peter. I hope you're right. I've got to say, the national Anth- Welsh National Anthem at Carter Farms Park, and I still call it Carter Farms Park. I'm not sure what its official name is these days. It used to be the Millennium Stadium, and then it's it's got some corporate name now. Uh, but even playing at Murrayfield in Scotland, the Flower of Scotland, the bagpipes, they're just great traditions, aren't they? They just one, They don't realise it. They all sort of look at the haka and think that's the greatest thing in world rugby, but I actually think the Welsh National Anthem, Scottish National Anthem, uh, playing in Ireland, I'm not going to include England because I just can't stand them, but the way they do their pre-game, to me, is as... Spine tingling, goosebumps to the same degree as perhaps they get from watching the All Black haka. Four minutes away from nine. Back after nine o'clock. Guy McRae from the UK talking. Oh, it's got a nice little tune to it. Guy McRae from the UK. You can turn it into a rap tune. Uh, Brilliant commentator. Worked with him at a number of Olympic games. Tennis, table tennis, football, you name it, he can do it. Mad keen Tottenham Hotspur fan. He's going to join us on the programme around about 10.30 tonight. We'll look back on the English Premier League. Good to see Chris Wood scoring for Newcastle uh, earlier this morning as well. So we'll run through all of those results. We've got plenty of audio to bring you this hour. We'll hear from Michael Checker. We'll also give you the full press conference of Ian Foster. Uh, We've got... Ben Francis alongside of us tonight. Ben, what else have you pulled together for us to, um, what's the word I was going to use, um, to further enhance our knowledge and entertain us?
7: Oh, geez, that's putting a bold statement on it. So, yeah, we got a bit of uh, Fozzie, we got a bit of Michael Checker, we got quite a bit of Premier League to touch on as well. Uh, Mikhail Arteta, Jurgen Klopp, uh, Unai Emery getting a, first his first win as uh, Aston Villa manager, Chris Wood. And also something we touched on a bit earlier as well was, of course, the big upset in the cricket yesterday with South Africa uh, beating the Dutch. So we got a bit of uh, audio from both uh, parties there.
0: Mm, Yeah but uh, again it's the fickle nature of T20 cricket Look it's like sevens isn't it I mean sevens how often do you see the top sides getting beaten by some lesser sides I mean I remember 10-15 years ago Kenya were one of the major sevens playing nations they seem to have fallen off the grid It's interesting why hasn't there been a lot of discussion around the New Zealand sevens team and whether Laidlaw should remain as coach do we need a bit of a clean out finishing ninth, ninth at the Hong Kong sevens the blue ribbon sevens event and we finish ninth. not good enough I had to laugh when Sky Television put a little post up on social media, clearly advertising the fact that they were showing the sevens, but congratulating New Zealand on their ninth place. Congratulating the All Blacks, the All Black Sevens in ninth place. The All Blacks, that's how it would have been reported around the world too. All Blacks finished ninth at Hong, in Hong Kong. And that is the danger of... Franchising the all-black name to lesser teams. You damage your brand. Cash grab in the short term damage the brand in the long term. Does anybody care about the sevens? Or is that just another part of New Zealand rugby that's just fallen by the wayside? Like so many other aspects of it. 0800 150 The All Blacks, do we change the team this week against Scotland? It's starting to sound like they are going to do it. Why would you do it? Why not have a dress rehearsal for this time in a year at the World Cup? Show your body and training what happens on game day. Quarter final, semi final, final. We've just got through the quarter final against Wales. We've got a semi final against Scotland. We've got a final against England the week after. See how these same group of players handle three intense weeks mentally and physically because that is what's going to be required to win the World Cup. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one is the number of the World Cups going at the moment. I'm not going to include the women's Rugby League World Cup in it. I don't think the depth is good enough. I don't think the standards' there. I don't really rate the credibility of the tournament just yet. Please, it's happening. Let it organically grow, as I said before, 9. Women's Rugby World Cup final. The T20 cricket, if we were to get into that final. The Rugby League, if we were to get into that final. Which one of those three tournaments would you prefer to win? I'm going to go, I'd like to see the Rugby League team win, the Men's Rugby League team. You know why? Because to win it, we have to beat Australia. And you know how big Rugby League is in certain parts of Australia. And how arrogant they are and how poorly we've been treated by them over the years. So rugby league for me, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd love to see us win all of it. Be a great year in New Zealand sport. But which one for you? Text us here on double eight double three. Ben just wants to see Scotland beat the All Blacks this weekend. I've already gone and slapped him around.
7: No, you didn't. Didn't I? No. I didn't? Nah. Oh. That 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 it was like it was like getting tapped in the it was like a little oh. flicker a little flick of the finger. Oh,
0: so I didn't give you the old Jesse Ryder. Okay. No, no. All right, all right. I might have been confusing ability with ambition. Then I might have been exaggerating things just a little bit. Oh, eight hundred one five zero double one. Hi, Dave. Uh,
8: yeah, I'd like to see us win the uh, Rugby League World Cup just to beat the Aussies. Um, even if we beat them, I. Sh- I think England, in their own conditions, they've been the team that have been the most consistent and playing good lead. They were written off at the start of the comp and they're, they're travelling well, travelling very well. But if we make it past Aussies, that'll be a great final. Um, I think they can... I haven't been engaged with the Blackbirds because it was rub, rubbed in our throats a bit. But I did watch the game on Saturday night and I thought they performed very well. And I think... Um, We've got a good shot of beating England because of their top two inches. I, you know, I think in the front of a big crowd. Apparently, they've only played in front of twenty thousand before. I think they could beat, get a bit overawed, and uh, we yeah, but, could beat them. But I'm
0: not sure that New yep. Z- I'm not sure New Zealand's used to having played in front of big crowds either. The only thing, Dave, and someone mentioned this earlier, and I think it's a good point. We saw it with England yep. in the in 2019 Rugby World Cup, where they beat us, but they couldn't get up yes. a week later to beat. South Africa, it was like that was their World Cup. They'd won it, and for whatever reason, they couldn't get up. And I'm hoping the Black Ferns don't fall into that trap where I think England getting scared by Canada I think probably do go in as the favourites. And the same thing I think we can apply to the rugby league, and you mentioned it. So if we get up and beat Australia, how much emotional energy does that take out of us, and do we have the ability a week later to get up and beat England, as you mentioned?
8: Well, on paper, which is only on paper, we do have probably the best squad. We don't have a kicker for the rugby league. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be hard for us, but they you know, those guys, I think they've got a very good brotherhood amongst them, you know, the culture word. I think they get on with each other. So that they could do and with the Ferns, I think having Ted and Wayne Smith there, probably two of the best rugby brands, especially the professor. They'll bring them back down to earth real quick today. They'll bring them right back to earth and say, job's not done. Um, and if you ever wanted two guys to do that, they're the guys. In regards to the All Blacks, I think we will make changes unnecessarily. I, I'm with you. We should we should play our best team every game. doesn't matter if we're playing Zimbabwe or whoever. We should play our best team every game. And if someone gets injured then we bring the next best guy in. That's how we should play.
0: And don't pick such a big squad. So those players um, that just miss out can play in the MPC or can play in club rugby or can just be playing and then pulled in if need be. And I think one of the dangers when you pick such a big squad is you almost feel obliged that you have to play some of these players at some point because they just haven't had enough rugby. And while you might argue that it's a strength having such a big squad, I think it's ultimately a weakness in terms of player development. Yep,
8: yep, yeah, you agree. I did watch the... Um the New Zealand 15 team, who I like to call the Alpha Possums, because they're not the All Black 15. Um, and I thought they played very well. And I thought they played, you know, with a bit of flair. They weren't,
5: hmm. it
8: wasn't so uh, robotic the way they played. And there was a couple of, you know, Sean Stevenson was good and uh, Damien McKenzie was very good. I thought they were great. And it, with, with uh, beating England at Twickenham, like Argentina, it, that's the best thing. I've been at Twickenham when we've lost and I had the guy next to me, an English guy, he says, I knew you were going to lose after the Harker. I says, well, why didn't you bloody tell me?
0: Um, Because he's he's a coward wise after the fact, like a lot of the English.
8: Yeah, the only time I cheer for the Aussies is during, which I don't like to do, is during the Ashes and it's only because they're playing England. It's, yeah, uh, it's funny, know, I, just, I, I
0: tend to go the other way with the English cricket team. I don't have as much disdain for the really English are? cricket team as I have for English rugby. Uh, I, I just cannot stand English rugby. I think I hate Australian cricket more than I hate English cricket, so I probably tend to go the other way. But, um, yeah, but there's not much in it.
8: Yeah, no, no, there's not. Yeah, I don't know, I just think when England wins sports, you're just so arrogant about it, you know. Like you say, if they get a good try, it's the best try in history. Um, yeah, and that Twickenham crowd singing Swing Low is it is torture, absolute torture. So I love it when we beat them. But um, yeah, let's well, we got a good chance against, you know, Pakistan. We didn't do good, too good in 82. We could turn it around. And like you say about when you were saying about T20s game of chance, nothing was proven surer than last night when the Netherlands beat South Africa. Oh, and yeah, but we, we,
0: but we sort of saw Zimbabwe having some victories. We saw, you know, Ireland yeah. and these sides pushing and upsetting countries. Um, and that's why I don't place as much merit on winning this World Cup as, say, the one-day Cricket World Cup or, um, you know, I'd still rather, you know, I'd rather win a T-Series in Australia than win a T-20 Cricket World Cup oh. if I can. Yeah. Yeah, winning a T-Series in Australia or India would
8: just be fantastic. Yeah. But, yeah, yes, was it Scotland and in... Zimbabwe, they bowled um, uh, Pakistan and West Indies in the opening rounds, didn't they?
0: Absolutely, they I did. Think. Absolutely, yeah. they did. But yeah. look, it would be great for New Zealand cricket because other than that, what was it, that Champions Trophy that we won in Kenya back in the early 2000s, the yeah. reality is we actually haven't yeah. won much. We might have been in some finals, but we actually haven't won them. And I'm always saying this, when you get into yeah. a final, if you don't win it, you might as well have finished seventh or eighth. The reality is you're not going home with a trophy, are you?
8: No one remembers who comes second mate You know that hey, No one
0: remembers who comes second Hey Dave okay. Lovely to have you on the programme Thank you and appreciate you listening to the programme yes, It is 12 minutes after 9 You're listening to SENZ Telephone number is 0800 Um Hi Mark If the Scots win Ben can wear a kilt for a week And eat porridge for breakfast, lunch and tea Well said Craig And you know they don't have anything underneath the kilts too So he's got to go commando He's got to go nude but no shame. I'd find the world quite itchy.
7: I would gladly do that if they won. Mm. I'd be so happy. You'd probably. Oh, well, the we're doing the show next Monday because it's on the games at three fifteen a.m. New Zealand time Monday morning. You'll probably never see me any more happier. Mm. Scotland won. I, I, I'm not kidding you. I was at my other media uh, company I used to work for. Uh, I was doing updates. Well, why do you have an affiliation for Scotland? You look That's a little bit Scottish. It's where my family's from. I know. I was going to say you look a little Scottish. I don't know what Scots look like, but you look <laughs> Scottish. It's well. It's where my family's from. Yeah. And uh, when Andrew Cotter was calling that game right at the death, and Stuart Hogg made that break, and then Bowden Barrett just doing what Bowden Barrett does, saving the All black skin, I was on the ground crying because I thought I, for a split second there, I thought we're going to we're going to win. We're gonna I win.
0: remember watching Scotland play Japan. At the Prince Chichibu Rugby Ground in 1989. Japan were not a part of the IRB then. And it was their first win ever over an IRB nation. And playing for Scotland in midfield was a guy by the name of Sean Lanine. And Sean's father was an all black Terry Lanine. And I spoke to Sean after the game. And I've got to say, he was very, very polite. But I'll never forget that year watching. Scott, I've still got the ticket at home Ticket stub somewhere Japan's first ever victory over an IRB nation 1989 Prince Chichibi Rugby and You can Google that one Might even be on YouTube these days Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I might even have a look during the break 13 and a half minutes after 9 Telephone number 0800 We're in
3: the
0: And enlighten me, what's the music? Sounds like smoke on the water.
9: With through have bagpipes. You, have, you,
7: have you heard of the band called the Red Hot Chili Pipers? No, I have actually, yes. Red Hot Chili uh <laughs> It sounds like you've got to say peppers every time, but it's just natural. Uh but this is a this is a pretty much like a bagpipe version of uh Thunderstrike. Is it? Yeah.
0: Oh, you can hear it now. I've gotta say when it first came on I thought it was we all came down to Montrose on the Lake Geneva Shore. They, they, won some, they won some the talent
7: Mamas. contests, and of course, pretty big in Scotland because they do like bagpipe covers of yeah, like, really no, big very, songs. Yeah, very, very clever indeed. Hey, I did find that um, game between
0: Japan and Scotland from the Prince Chichibu Rugby Ground, 1981, 28-21, Japan ended up winning that game. I knew, I knew it was around that 21-22 point margin, um, I don't remember the crowd being as big as it was on the television maybe you're sitting on the other side never remember the crowd being as big as it was
7: uh, do do you want to bring up any of the All Blacks losses like uh, I think they lost to Ireland this year and was it Argentina a couple of years ago too What's that got to do with things? What are we talking? about? Well, well you just—it seems like you're just trying to rub salt into the wounds that Scotland are on the wrong side of history. and no. you know, I'm just, I'm just no, trying, just trying a, to up your balance. No,
0: I've got a lot of time for—I've um, got a lot of time for Scotland. I always remember the great names like John Jeffrey. Um, who else did we have? Um, Doddy Weir, John Jeffrey,
7: and the great commentator then, Bruce McLaren. Well, Doddy Dottie was going to be at the game uh, on Monday morning New Zealand time. Uh, How Dott- is he? He's well, well. There's courses. Him, Rob Burrow, and uh, Stephen Darby, who used to be the Bradford City captain, and whose wife is the England football captain, I believe, or used to be. Uh, You know, they're they're all not in the of greatest ways, but he's going there. He's going to know course, wear his lovely tartan suit, and try, uh, you know, bring a bit of inspiration.
0: Yeah, it's um, I always remember. I think it was 19, it was no, the 87 Rugby World Cup. And I don't think Doddy Weir was in that side, but John Jeffrey and Finlay Calder were. And I always remember Bill McLaren, the great Scottish rugby commentator, and he did this piece to camera. Now, I don't do him very well, but he goes, This is perhaps the finest Scottish side to ever set foot on foreign soil. The likes of Doddy Weir, Finlay Calder, and John Jeffrey. But today, they meet the might of almighty New Zealand. And you could almost see tears in his eyes, and you knew, and he knew, this all black team was a good all black team, and Scotland were going to get thumped. And that was the quarter final. But I always loved that the way it rolls off. Finlay Calder, Doddy Weir, and John Jeffrey. I think you just did a very
7: good impersonation there.
0: Yeah, I just love the way that just rolled off. John Jeffrey, Finlay Calder. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always love that guy, mate. Bill McLaren, one of the great rugby commentators, if not perhaps the finest that's ever lived. In fact, I'll say that. I think he's the best rugby commentator we've ever had. I remember 1996, and he was doing some of the tests in South Africa, and his pronunciation of Christian Cullen, the Cockeriki Express, was just superb. And Christian Cullen, the Pai Kokariki Express? Anyway... Um oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one is the number, if you do want to phone the program. We've got some audio. I'm thinking we might hear from Michael Checker. A remarkable thing, Michael Checker. So here he is coaching Argentina to beat England. But it was only, what, a few days earlier
7: that he was actually helping Lebanon with the rugby league World Cup. Yeah, it was literally about forty eight hours beforehand. He was in the stands wherever they played uh, Australia in, in their quarterfinal and then he's in, you know, London. It,
0: it it does show though, doesn't it? I mean, he didn't have a lot to work with when he was coaching Australia and therefore he was much maligned and people didn't rate him as a coach. He's gone to Argentina and done some great things with Argentinian rugby um, and you now wonder whether in fact he's a much better coach than perhaps we gave him credit for. And then on the other hand, you get a guy like Ian Foster who's got a hell of a lot of talent, can't seem to get the job done and just highlighting that in fact he is actually inept and not a very good coach. Right, let's hear from the Argentinian coach, Michael Checker.
10: It was good. Uh, it was tense as well, you know. But uh, I really like the way the guys prepared this week, you know. They had a really good attitude about them. And it, I suppose it was, it was tricky too because like, no one inside of that team has won against England before. So you have got to combine the mental side of it with the with the tactical and the, the technical, and of course it was only a small margin too, you know. So, um, but uh, it, it was great. it was a great feeling. Good, really nice for the lads as well to get that opportunity to to, to have that experience here. Like you got England in the World Cup as well. Do you mm-hmm. feel
0: like Argentinian rugby beat the All
5: Blacks this year in way this year?
10: Really putting market down for that before the next year? Uh, I'm not a big uh, I'm not big on the you know laying the markers and all that type of stuff. Every game's well we're talking about the, the best teams in the world here, every game's played on its merits. And maybe a little bit from a confidence point of view for us to have now actually done that for those boys to have won that game, you know. So but As far as the the game itself or what happened in the game, it'll be a totally different game in nine months' time or whenever that game takes place. So, no, I don't think we're laying down a marker for anything. I think we're just trying to do our best to learn, get better, um, improve as a team and have a better approach to playing our footy, you know. And um, they had a good approach to playing their rugby today, and they got the reward.
5: Like it's been a bit of a busy week for you personally. I just wondered how do you
10: reflect on it now, and, and what you're going to do to kind of wind down or celebrate something? Uh, well, to be honest, I've loved it. I know I didn't know what would, but I think obviously I love being here with these fellas. Like they, they're, they're good to be around. You know, they make you want to get up in the morning and do your absolute best. You know, to prepare them, and the experience with Lebanon, obviously, it's my heritage, my family's heritage. At the World Cup was probably, at the rugby league, was probably one of the best of my life, sporting-wise. Like just that, that connection back to your, you know, your heritage and the t- coaching guys from totally different levels of footy. You know, amateurs, and but it was, it gave me so much energy to down? I felt like the week was pretty seamless really I didn't there wasn't too many hiccups and you know, I've gotten lucky I've got great people with me you know here with Felipe and Juan and um, David and Andres and all of the team here and also with with the Cedars with Matt King and, and Robbie Farrer and those guys I felt like and that it was really comfortable for me to be able to to enjoy the week not just do the week. You know, I would have liked the nicer first half up in Huddersfield. You know, so it would have been, it could have been a perfect weekend then. But so it is. You know, what I mean, if we're going to get beat, we might as well get beat by Australia. You know, in that regard. So um, I really enjoyed it, and this is, I love, always love being with these guys. So I won't be relaxing, mate, after this. I'll be getting ready for the next game. Maybe when it's all finished, and um, <clears throat> after the Scotland game at the end of the tour, you know, I can, um, you know, kick back a little and. See, remember what my wife looks like and the kids. A couple of my kids were here today. They absolutely loved it. You know, first time they would have been to Twickenham, so they loved the day.
0: Yeah, shove that up, you England. Shove that up, you England rugby fans. Cannot stand the English rugby team. Anybody wins the World Cup but England, please. We will never hear the end of it. Every one of the players, like the 2003 side, will make the greatest ever team. And of course, alongside of it, the aura of the All Blacks. Anybody but England, please. I love English football, love a lot of other English sport. Don't get me wrong, I genuinely do. Um, right, Craig's text back in saying, nice one, Ben, you're a stayer. My Welsh heritage require me to eat leeks and go coal mining. And it was Craig who had suggested that if the Scots do beat the All Blacks this weekend, that Ben wears a kilt for a week and eats porridge for breakfast. What about haggis?
7: Well, there's other things the Welsh could do, but I don't think they're appropriate to say on air. Yeah, and they can sing.
0: Very good singers, the Welsh. If they speak the Welsh dialect, they'll spit in your face like clinethly. Next
7: thing, next thing, Craig is going to text her and tell me is I've got to enter the the Highland Games uh, in, in the New Year. Be rude not to. Uh, I could uh, see you throwing a, a a pole. Could you?
0: No. Carrying a,
7: a I, I stone, tell I, I, I tell you what I do. I, I pick up bags of horse feed and I slam it on the ground, like above my head, and there like, you know thirty odd kilos and thinking slam them you're, on the ground.
0: Thinking you're William at Wallace, oh,
7: I'm just thinking Braveheart, like, something like that. I yell freedom as I smash it on the ground. I'm like independence Hank, from the English. He
0: was hung, drawn, and quartered—a pretty brutal way to die. Not a nice way, not a pleasant way to die at all. Twenty-eight minutes after nine, we'll take a break. Lines are open, oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. should the All Blacks make changes to Scotland, I don't think they should I think the same twenty three should take the field unless there are injuries, and this should be a dress rehearsal for next year's Rugby world Cup. we're going to have to win three massive games in a row, and our players are going to have to have the mental fortitude to do it. Let's find out about the character of this team because it's been very, very inconsistent this year. If you had to win one of the major tournaments going on at the moment, Women's Rugby World Cup, T20 Cricket World Cup, the Rugby League World Cup, which one would you prefer? Which one carries the greater legacy? Which one would provide you a greater sense of nationalism? You can text double eight double three oh eight hundred one five zero eight double one 0800 the number little bit of Neil Young, Twenty coming up to 26 minutes away from 10 o'clock. You are listening to SENZ on this Monday night. The phones are open. Anything that's been on your mind, anything that you've heard from other shows or you just simply want to have your say from uh, the weekend of sport or simply state an observation or make a point, challenge us, we'd love to hear from you. Just dial 800 150 We're nice people. We will welcome you. Oh, I know. I mean, let's be honest, ben, ben is hoping Scotland beat the All Blacks. Mind you, last week on a podcast, I did say that I hope the Black Ferns would lose and the All Blacks would lose, and I'll give you my reasons why, because I was just sick and tired of the politi- the politi- the politi- The, the poli- Anyway, I'm struggling, you know?
7: You're making me look like
0: the good guy now. Politi- politicising, politicising. Everything around the Women's Rugby World Cup, you know, this constant oppression of women and the only relationship that's ever existed between men and women has been one of dominance. And I've had a gutsful of all of that and been told I need to watch it and made feel guilty if I haven't. And for those reasons, I sort of switched off a little bit. I'm sort of back engaged now, but I I just didn't want to keep hearing it. I was over it. I just wanted to enjoy the rugby for what it was and not have everything sort of manufactured or some false economy around it. And the other reason why I sort of hoped the All Blacks were going to lose last week off the back of that Japan performance, because I just wanted us to hit rock bottom so we could get rid of Ian Foster and maybe have a good look at the game. I wasn't expecting the All Blacks to win the way they did. And, you know, hey, I've had to swallow a bit of humble pie, and, hey, that's the way it goes. But as I say, I'm not a guy who's a coward wise after the fact. I'll often make my statements before a game. A lot of people in this industry won't make any statement and then after the result, go, I told you so. I'm not that guy. Great sh- text that's coming from Jamie from Wanaka. Great show, guys. I reckon it would be great to win the Cricket T20 World Cup by beating England controversially in a super over in front of a cracked house at the MCG. Brilliant, Jamie. If that was the scenario, without a doubt, that would go down as one of the great moments in New Zealand sport. But wouldn't it also be great to beat the Australians in a rugby league semi final and then to beat England in England? in a Rugby League World Cup final. Right, let's bring you some audio here from Ian Foster. The thing that concerns me is about the potential changes he might make to this for the Scotland test. I've said it and you would have heard me say it six times this hour. Stick to the same 23. Let's use this as a dress rehearsal for next year's Rugby World Cup. Let's see if we can do it. Let's see if we've got the mental fortitude, the physical stamina for one group of guys to be able to play three big test matches in the space of what is technically two weeks really when you think about it, just over two weeks. Let's hear from Ian Foster.
2: We just start planning on Tuesday, you know, it's just making sure that we, um, um, you know, take the lessons out of that game and, and, and apply them to the next one. So it's really as simple as trusting our process and, and making sure that we treat each week as a special one. What
0: are the key focuses for you then for the next game? What do you want to see?
2: Uh well like we have a pretty strong focus of working through, you know, I guess reviewing our game. So like I said, nothing will change. We'll do that on Tuesday, Wednesday, now that'll become the key things for Scotland.
0: But is there anything in particular you're looking for? And yesterday you mentioned things weren't perfect. So what are the what are you wanting to see
2: change or improve? Um It was probably a bit early to ask me that question. So it's uh I think there's there's obviously some things with some of our, our ball supply early wasn't as good as it needed to be, there'd be little things we pick up. But, you know, quite frankly, it's just a matter of, of not jumping to too many assumptions early in the week. Like, we actually like to go through and do a lot of analysis and, and, and have a look at what Scotland did yesterday and, look, and have a close look at what we did and then pick it up from there. Yeah,
0: I just wondered if there was
2: anything off the bat. Oh, I think I've answered up. that, yeah. Thanks. Uh, how are the bodies um, after that? Any niggles, injuries? Picked up. No, we got through really well. Um, which is pleasing and um so it was a bit different from last week it was a bit of a hospital ward but no we came through that well there are a couple of squad updates though we've um, we've uh, released lester and brad to go and play for against the barbarians at twickenham um, we're bringing tj over to us to, to replace brad so there was a predetermined plan to give both those nines a couple of weeks with us and um after flower's injury so that's the main squad up there.
5: Um pleasing aspect of last night would be the fact that there was nothing in any remotely close to discipline problems. Um, is that something that uh, you worked on during the week after what happened <laughs> last week and is, is it something that you feel like you kinda of pass a test or is that what you expect for every test?
2: I'm just going through all the questions there Jamie. Um, the answer is, well, we're pleased with the discipline last night. I guess the, the, I, I guess discipline covers a range of things, doesn't it? Like in terms of, um, uh, you know, our control around the contact there, I, I, well, I think we've been pretty good in that area for, for a while. Um, we obviously um, picked up a card in, in Japan, but, I mean, that's... Um, you know, that was, a, that was a very close margin, that one. So, but overall, please, there's some areas of the discipline that we weren't quite so good last night. I thought the, um, the um, I guess, tackler, we got penalised two or three times for our tackler slow to get out, and that's frustrating, so we have to sort that out.
9: How do you manage an eight-day turnaround? Is it a trickier turnaround to manage
2: this? Yeah, well, well, it's not tricky, it's just different. Like, we're actually sort of deliberately giving ourselves a bit of breathing space today and tomorrow, and you know we travel today we go up to to Edinburgh and have the day off so hence you know we're we're not sort of talking too much about what next week looks like until probably tomorrow night um, but you know clearly we it's a um, it's a chance at this time of year we've got to make sure we use it well because the following week's a six day turnaround, so we've just got to balance that out. yeah do
9: how much of a balance act balance that
2: knowing you've got that turnaround to come <laughs> yeah no it is and it's you know, one thing you've got to be careful on eight-day turnarounds is playing the game too early, you know, hence my reluctance to talk a little bit about, about what the, the key focuses are for the week because I think um, it's good to give the team breathing space for the next 48 hours and, you know, then get over the wind then roll our sleeves up and get back to work on Tuesday and, and treat it like a normal week from the on. And saying
9: that, did you see any of Scotland
2: and Fiji yesterday? Yeah, so I saw a little bit, saw a few highlights, but um, I'll be watching a bit of that today, but... Uh, you know, that, that historic... I mean, Fiji's a, a pretty tough physical team. and But again, that's... Uh, you know, the, Scotland will be pleased with that. And um, I'll, I'll be disappointed with losing to Aussie without missing that last kick. But they've had a pretty good start to the autumn programme. You got
11: um, Roger and um, Braden
2: back in camp? Yep. Did you make of their performance for the All Blacks 15? Yeah, pretty good. It was a, a different game to probably what we expected. We you know, expected a... Um, Probably a lot tougher, more defence-orientated game up there, but it turned into quite an open game, and um, so we had to judge everyone's performances based on that, but, you know, that, be, it was good for them to get a, another hit out.
11: You mentioned night he won five in a row, um, which is, you know, obviously pleasing. Um, if you look at your, your best performances this year though, at Alice Park and Eden Park and, and Hamilton, they probably haven't been backed up by that same level of performance. How nice would it be to, to do that next week and, and how do you go about doing that?
2: Well we're always searching for that, you know, and it's um and I think it's about not trying to copy and paste anything. It's about trying to just look at um, you know, the the, the build-up for for each each test is different, different conditions, different opposition and and different pressure points. And so you know, the danger is when you try to copy and paste a formula like we can't just use this week's formula for next week. We just gotta make sure that we rebuild from zero on Tuesday and, and just go back and say, Okay, well what's this week about? And and then just hoe into it and find real meaning in the preparation. So that's our goal. And, you know, you don't always sometimes we judge great performances by score lines, um, but also great performances can come just by solving problems on park and that's that's what I think we're getting a little bit better at.
11: You mentioned you haven't been to um, a lot of the players haven't been to Scotland for a long time. Is there anything you do to delve into um, what it means to play in Scotland, what it's like there, the history of Murrayfield,
2: those sorts of things? Yeah, a little bit of that. Um, we're an extra layer of clothing. Um, there's little things you've got to do individually to prepare up there. But um, no, it's uh, every ground and historical ground you know has a lot of history to it and. And, and this team's enjoying catching up with a lot of its history and learning about that, particularly when you've got a lot of players who, you know, it's kind of new. The, the Northern Hemisphere's not sort of a regular for them as it used to be, so we're getting back into that pattern. But um, it's important that, that we embrace that historical side of it. Even your wings and only about
12: half touches between
5: them
1: yesterday. Are you expecting to get more involved, or
2: is that just the nature of the game? Oh, the nature of the conditions last night, you know, it was very slippery it's, um, I think it would have been better conditions to play in if the roof was open, quite frankly it wouldn't have been better for the spectators but I think the condensation and the atmosphere just made it an extremely slippery game, so um, I'm actually quite I quite like that stat, to be fair, in that sort of game because you actually want to sometimes we overplay in those conditions because we just want to play and um, I kind of like the patience What was your assessment of Geordie at 12 last night. Yeah, pretty good. Can you elaborate on that a little Seems all I talk about is Geordie Barrett, but um, he he, he played well again. He backed up a good performance at Eden Park with a a solid one, but it was a different game. It was a game where, you know, I think um, we kind of, he went in there because we felt it was going to suit a very physical 12, and, and and he played that game really well. I you won't want to talk too much about specifics, but
11: you mentioned in terms of um, selections and options, you know, with like Cody and Samasone and developing that, and I guess Geordie and and David at 12. Do you balance that with consistency of selection, which tends to help consistency of performance as well? I guess trying to develop options with developing combinations.
2: What's that juggling act like? It's a juggling act. It's... it's, it's just just a juggling app. It. It's uh, it's um, at what stage do you put all your eggs in one basket, and at what stage do you build depth? And it's um, I guess that's the art of, of of selection. And but quite frankly, be it Geordie or be it Davy or be it maybe even Anton Lennon Brown at 12. Um, end of the day, it's quality players, and and we expect them to do a job. And so whilst it's not about chopping and changing all the time, it is about building and. You know, I think we've done a lot of work on combinations this year and 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 adding a few other options up our sleeve is going to be good for us. Yeah, I you mean, mentioned to
1: the West 15 squad changes. Just to confirm, does that mean Brayden and Roger are backfield back yeah. back? yeah,
2: they came back yesterday morning. So they've returned. They'll be with us now. So we're just utilising that programme as a chance to, um, like I said at the time, we released them to get another game in the midfield. Um, they now come back with us Um and Leicester obviously missed the Japan game, so it's a chance for him to go and get some rugby this week. Then you will come back and join us, and, and um, I'll explain the noise.
0: There you go. It is 14 minutes away from 10 o'clock. Ian Foster there providing some rationale in regards to some of the decisions um, and the way this potential team might look against Scotland. Stick with the same team, Mr Foster. For two reasons. We don't want to lose to Scotland but use it as a dress rehearsal for next year's World Cup. Three big matches in a row. That's what's going to be required to win the World Cup. 0800 If you do want to phone the programme, love to hear from you. The lines are open. Nine minutes away from 10 o'clock, we'll put a bit of focus on English Premier League football after 10. Guy McRae out of the UK will join us around about 10.30. He is a big Tottenham Hotspur fan, regular season ticket holdup beaten by my mob, two goals to one. He didn't have a good feeling about it all week. I've been communicating with him via social media. I'm not sure why, because I think they've shown clearly a lot better form in the English Premier League under Conte than what we've seen with Liverpool at the moment. Was it a turning point for Liverpool? I think the FIFA window will benefit Liverpool. It'll be interesting to see what teams are affected by the FIFA Football World Cup window. Uh, Let's bring Ben Francis back into the programme. I want to know how Ben's darts are going. How are your darts going, Ben? Have you got over some of your uh, mental frailties?
7: well i actually because of this job i really don't get the opportunity to go out and play so i can't really comment because i don't know uh practice at home has been going well you know do a you know play a few practice games and doubles could be a bit better but it seems to be going all right but i'd need to go out there and have a few games but it always conflicts with my work hours so sorry you said doubles are going better you mean hitting doubles or playing doubles Hitting doubles. Right. I don't like. Play. I'm not a big fan of doubles. It's.
0: it's How, how's the doubles format working? Darts, just a dart each, or a, no?
7: Just have like a turn, and then the next person um, from the other team goes, and the next person your team yeah. goes, and it's like any other doubles thing really.
0: Yeah, I've I seen some Q Sport commentary over the weekend, and their doubles format's quite good, or their teams format. Their teams format's a good one. So you might have four players on a team. Each player plays each of the other team members on the opposing team, just one frame. If you win the frame, you get 10 points. But if you lose the frame, you pick up a point for every ball that you did sink. So you could end up losing 10-7. So you might have sunk seven balls, missed the eight ball. Your opponents pick that up. They win the frame. You pick up seven points. And as I said, four members on your team, four members on the opposing team. Each player plays every member of the other team and you end up having the scoring system. It's a very, very cool format. Do like it. And I think some sports could learn a lot from other sports in terms of the way you set up your sport and the format that you use, which is easy to understand, logical, and brings a real element of the unknown and a little bit of a luck into the equation. Is there luck in darts?
7: Oh... Uh. Yeah, you can get it you can get like a lucky deflection and you just get times where say for example you could be on a double and you have a few darts hit it and don't hit it and then your opponent takes out at like a finish on a bullseye, which can be very hard to do. So
0: No, do all I haven't really thought about it, but the top dartboards, they all have the wire, do they? Yeah. What, is that called what what is that called does it have a just a wire like some, the wire? sometimes
7: you could literally throw a dart and it hits the bit of wire so perfectly it just bounces off i
0: know you don't often see it though do you on the big tournaments
7: that's because they're so superiorly accurate
0: i know but you still see the miss on occasions but it's always still it's outside well of-
7: it's it's like with technology over time it's just like the the wire is getting thinner and thinner so i guess it just gets harder and harder to hit that's mm probably what it's down to, but it still does happen.
0: Did, did, do guys do much analysis on their opponents' games? Well, you can't really do much, well, can you? You've just
7: got to focus on what you're doing. That, that's the thing. That's that's kind of the thing with darts. It's, well, it's like lots of indi- individual sports, no matter what you do.
0: You're in control.
7: You know, like... Yeah, the only way you can get better is by doing better yourself. So I guess that's one of the things with darts, you can't really analyze your, it's not really like because your person's throw is going to give them like an advantage or anything. Okay,
0: fascinating. Darts
7: every second Monday with Ben Francis,
0: if you are interested. Thanks to the Dart Depot. Thanks to the Dart Depot. If you're buying darts, go to the Dart Depot. That's D-A-R-T-D-E-P-O, Dart Depot. I was going to say what it meant backwards, but. You forgot
7: the tea.
0: Oh, did I? Yeah. Of course I did. Anyway, after 10 o'clock, we'll look at some English Premier League football. It is one minute after 10. You're listening to SENZ. Telephone number is 0800 150 811. I'm assuming that is Paolo Nutini. You are playing. Correct. Very, very good musician. Outstanding. A Scotsman. Scotland played the All Blacks this weekend. In fact, it is Monday morning New Zealand time. But we are going to switch it up, change it up. We're going to talk some English Premier League football. Ben Francis alongside me. What audio have you put together, Ben? I'm sure we're going to hear from Jurgen Klopp. I'm sure that we're going to hear from Antonio Conte. What else have you got? Phil Parkinson,
7: Wrexham United manager. No, I'm kidding.
0: I was just going to say, what relevance has that got? But feel free to do it.
7: Well, the FA Cup was on over the weekend for the lower-ranked sides. I'm sure Wrexham United probably played in it. Well, they probably did. Unless they'd been knocked out previously. Well, that's true, but I don't know off the top of my head, actually. Uh, No, they did. They they beat Oldham Athletic 3-0. Brilliant. So let's just run through the results from the Premier League. Anyway,
0: Chelsea at home were beaten by... Table-topping Arsenal, one goal to nil. Aston Villa beating Manchester United 3-1. Brilliant result. Southampton getting flogged at home by Newcastle United. They've sacked their manager. Crystal Palace beating West Ham at home. So West Ham were at home. They lost 2-1. Crystal Palace starting to find their form. Very good side last year. Did you see the game-winner for that? And Liverpool beating Tottenham Hotspur 2-1. No, I didn't. Was it a cracker? Cracker. 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 I'm going to go home and watch some of the English Premier League highlights. I haven't had a chance to do it today. So where are we going to start tonight, Ben? We've got um, Guy McRae on the programme live out of London at 10.30. Big Spurs fan. We'll get his thoughts and analysis on another remarkable weekend. But where are we going to kick it off? I'll start with your mob, eh? Should
13: we start with Klopp? Yeah, let's start with Klopp. OK, let's do that. Celebrations to the way and tell you how big a win that was for you. Yeah, yeah. That was not my plan, actually. I didn't want to do it, but I got carried away, and I thought the people deserved um, a little bit <laughs> tough times. A lot of it's, they had now to travel a lot in the Premier League until they saw the first three points. So, um, yeah, also, I said, got a bit carried away, but it was big, absolutely big. Um, before that, the final whistle, I was not able, would not have been able to do that because um, I was really knuckled, It was really tough, tough game for everybody. Brilliant first half, really, really good first half, got good football controlled, top goals, uh, world-class goals and then we all know Tottenham is coming back. Um, take a lot of risk, um, became or become in these moments pretty direct, switch the side, cross the ball early um, and that makes life then really difficult because you cannot defend these situations all in a, in a clear there's um, so a lot of second ball fights and these kind of things. We had our counter attacking moments. We were not precise enough in these moments. Uh, it would have been massive. It was a couple of moments where there was counter the counter the counter, pretty much. If you can score there the third, it obviously changed the whole game, but we couldn't. Um, then Tottenham scores the, their goal, which was really well played. And um, we had to keep fighting and did that and I like that and people who um, follow us a little bit longer know in our best spells we had to if you want to win an away game just a completely normal way to do it and I'm really happy about it. Tonight.
8: Is the first half four, or the half.
13: For why should I? Why should I make a difference? No, both. Both is important here. no, no chance. If I, if we have a normal game in the first half and it's 0 nil Tottenham would have thrown everything up front anyway in the second half. So and then it makes life um, would have been as difficult. So um, no, you have to use your chances, and that's what we did in the first half. Not all, but two, and um, and then you have to fight, and that's what the boys did.
7: Jurgen, that was Canate's first Premier League start of the season today.
0: Um, when you had to really dig deep in that second half you
6: seemed to be there time and time <laughs>
13: again. You must have been you know, absolutely delighted with his contribution. Absolutely, absolutely. Um yeah, he, he first half already, it was outstanding. No, top game. Absolutely. Of course we are happy to have him. Um but we didn't have him a lot. That's how it is, I you know. Um this is now really intense for him, he had now Two games in a row, right? Two starts in a row. So, I hope he's fine and um, can go from here.
1: Yeah, Mo had a little bit of a slow start to the season by his own standards, but
13: I think that's eleven goals in a twelve games. You, you must feel like he's almost there, back to his, his best. Yeah, sorry, that's Mo. Had in the even yeah, so um, um, in, in, in the slow start, he was involved in the most chances in Europe, in football, so that we didn't take them or he didn't take them, that can happen for a striker, it's a completely normal face, but um, how everybody knows he will, in the end, when you look back on his career, in four, five, six years, everybody will remember one of the best strikers you ever saw, because the numbers will be absolutely insane. Um, but tonight what pleased me the most is um, he scored the two goals and then he he um, played like a real, real team player. I'm not surprised about it, but it's just important because he got confronted with these questions as well, and then, um, then you go, slow start, these kind of things. But um, And then it's like um, you have to score a hat-trick here or whatever, So, but it was all about first defending and then you will get your chances again. We were in these moments, I think even he had a pretty big one, um, which he takes with one touch. If he takes two touches, he was completely free. I think he could have finished it off there. So, really pleased for him. Top performance uh, and um, showed outstanding attitude tonight. I'm not interested because that's look this game is now this is a completely normal game for us We, we, we last year we nearly I mean you know that's the we can write that in big letters but nearly won all four competitions but he drew twice against Tottenham so winning here is, is incredibly difficult Um and So, it's not about now that we have to play all the time like this or whatever. What we have to show is the attitude, the commitment to defending. That's what we have to show all the time, definitely, 100 per cent. What we have to show is that we are not punched too hard when we concede a goal. And I liked that tonight. I didn't want to go concede a goal, but I saw the reaction afterwards it was good. Of course, the, the, the opponent stadium, back everything like it. That's really difficult. But everybody was 100% in and threw everything in. And that's what I liked the most. So, you cannot be consistent by just playing all the time outstandingly well. It's it's all about this showing the resilience we show tonight. This is not the start or whatever. We are in, in a in a phase. Um, we we realised already and spoke about it, um, but for tonight we couldn't reach more than three points. We got them, and that's massive.
0: Yeah, well done to Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool, who have done a very tough season by last year's standards. If you're trying to win all four, be w- careful what you wish for, because I do think there was a bit of a hangover the following season. Just simply not enough recovery, in my opinion, for the players from season to season, particularly with some of the international windows that they also put in at the end of the English Premier League season, particularly this year in the lead-up to the FIFA Football World Cup. Well, Aston Villa, it was only a few weeks ago that they sacked Liverpool great Stephen Gerrard. They brought Unai Emery into the job, and he had some pretty good success at Villa Park, getting up over Manchester United by three goals to one. Let's hear from Unai Emery
3: amazing, amazing. Uh, Enjoy here with uh, with our supporters and uh, in the Villa Park uh, was the first day and really I was so excited and now I am so happy.
11: How pleased were you with the way the team began the game?
3: Um, I believe in, in these players and I know they are underperforming and still underperforming but uh, because we have to be and to take regularity in our in our way, but uh, sometimes they were uh, showing their capacity, and they made before as well. but I, I think we have to be uh, play with regularity, be consistent, uh, be disciplined, be organized, and I think the first step we made we made uh, today.
1: Yeah And how about the quality? Of the goals, all very good finishes from from Leon, from Luca, and uh, Jacob Ramsey as well.
3: Yes, uh, really it was uh, amazing. Uh, the goal we, we scored, and um, how we use uh, the the paces for for to attack the defense uh, was, I think, uh, incredible. Uh, how uh, we we run behind, uh, make uh, behind them our 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 our, um, our attacking against them, and uh, after how we keep the ball, how we keep the possession, how we keep our positioning for for to 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 break their, their defense line I think we we make it very good. Yeah.
1: How pleased are you for the supporters as well? Because it's twenty seven years
5: since a, a home league win over Manchester United. So that that's a, a fantastic thing yes, for that.
3: I am a privileged man <laughs> to, to 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 be here and and uh, to to win against them. Yeah.
1: And you talked about the club about the history about the stadium and supporters before the game what did you make of, of the noise and the whole experience for you making that walk to the to the dugout
3: I think we enjoyed it a lot today and we we were so focused in 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 do our our game plan but as well we were so so strong with their support but it's only one step and uh, yeah. we have to, to achieve um, regularity and we have to achieve yeah. being consistent for the next matches at home, away. And I think we have a lot of work to do.
0: Let's hear then from Mikel Artera, coach of Arsenal, who got up over Chelsea by one goal to
12: nil. It's another step as a team, I think, Um, to come here against a top opponent, top manager, um, top world-class player around the pitch and to perform, dominate the game and and actually win it. Um, It's very meaningful, so hopefully it will give the boys um, even more belief. Mm.
4: How important do you you see it in, in in the way that they then take the confidence from the performance, not just the result, but the performance. Yeah, the I was really impressed.
12: I think uh, we are a really young team, but we showed a lot of maturity today, a lot of composure, a lot of courage, a lot of determination uh, to play in this stage in the way we've played. So um, that's easy to say, but actually very difficult to do. So I think the boys um, were phenomenal today. Agent two here. Uh,
5: hi, Mikel. At the end of the game, you shared a real special moment with the fans, yeah. the staff and the players. How special a moment was that? And I think
12: as well, Craig Shaka on TV described it as epic, unbelievable. It was great. Um, they've been, our supporters, they've been absolutely phenomenal. Um, they have transformed the club, uh, the energy of the club. That's my opinion. And they have transformed the way the team believes in what they are doing. And to share that with them away from home um, is really special. I have my family there. I have my son there in the middle of the crowd. So it was great.
5: Michael, where, where are you
10: with them? talking about the title, you, you're not allowed to answer this question by saying one game at a time. A lot of people are now starting to think,
12: you know what? Do something, just look at the at the last six years what Manchester City has done. With the best man in the world, with the best team in the world, they've shown it consistently in every single competition and uh, we have to be very, very respectful of that. We are getting much better as a team, we are competing much better, we are getting really good results right now but this is a, a long, run shot. I think you're in contention? We are today. But in football today and tomorrow is very difficult, so let's enjoy tonight.
0: Yeah, Arsenal have been good in sticking with Arteta. You know, they haven't been, you know, he didn't make Champions League last year, could panic, could sack the guy, but sort of had a look at what Liverpool have done in terms of saying, let's give our guy some time, let him build his squad, let him influence this club right across the board, let's look at the bigger picture. And so Arsenal after 13 games, top of the English Premier League with 34 points. Manchester City after 13 games, second on 32 points. Newcastle, now they've played an extra game, so have Spurs. Newcastle are third though on 27, one point ahead of Tottenham Hotspur. Manchester United, Brighton, Hove Albion are fifth and sixth. United are on 23 points, Brighton are on 21, both have played 13 games. Then it's Chelsea on 21, they've played 13 games. It's Liverpool who have played 13 games and they're on 19 points. Then it's Fulham in 9th on 19 points, Crystal Palace in 10th on 19 points. So that is your top 10. Now, as I said, Guy McRae out of the UK will join us live out of London at about 10.30, around about 10 or 15 minutes time. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from New Zealand striker Chris Wood, who scored a Newcastle's 4-1 victory over Southampton. It is 19 minutes after 10, putting the spotlight in focus this hour on the English Premier League, all things football. Chris Wood, New Zealand striker, switched to playing for Newcastle, came off the bench after 45 minutes and scored a very good goal against Southampton in a Newcastle victory 4-1.
9: After the game, the BBC caught up with Chris Wood. Look, yeah, it's, uh, it's important to keep the momentum going. Um, that's what we're about at the moment. We're on a good real, good run. Um, we want to keep it going. Um, coming away to, to teams like this, who's fighting hard and uh, scrapping for points down the bottom, it's not always an easy game, but I think the boys came through extremely well and uh, showed the
5: character that we always need. 4-1 sounds very convincing, but actually you are under pressure when you got your goal. Oh, how key was that goal how, how important was it look yeah i mean i think we won't get
9: away from it it wasn't our best performance um but it's a sign of a good side that we can dig out and grind out and still um turn our hands performance even though probably on paper it wasn't like that um but it's one of those we take the good with the bad we make sure we're, we're resolute in defense and and creative and attacking the both happened today and I'm sure the defence are just a, a bit disappointed we couldn't keep the clean sheet as a team for them.
5: Your goal a really quick transition up the pitch, talk us through the finish.
9: Look yeah it was nice, um, Murph attacked the, attacked the back line really well and it just just scooped out to me and I was able to take a touch and just turn and put it in the bottom corner which was lovely, um, it's nice to be back on the score sheet, um, I want to contribute as much as I can to this team and um, I've got some, some good strikers in and around me and even ahead of me at the moment so it's about fighting to, to try and
5: earn a place. What is your mindset? Because as you say, you've got Callum Wilson, you've got Alexander Izak for competition. What's your mindset for, for when you do get opportunities to, to, to play like that?
9: Look, yeah, we're, we're at a very big club and uh, that's what you're always going to have. You're going to have competition. You have to bide your time sometimes, wait for an opportunity um, and try and take it. And uh, thankfully I could do that today, but I just need to keep that going
5: if and when I get those chances. Following on from your goal, league the rest of the finishing and the stuff it very clinical was it Was it quite a clinical performance from the team after that
9: yeah most definitely it looked like when we got in front of goal we, we finished well um, Joe when he broke through he, he's done that before he'd done it away at for last year he's very good at finishing like that um, and that kind of took the, took the wind out of their sails and uh, it was nice and uh, Bruno well we know what quality he has all over the pitch um, and he's
5: starting to score from distance now so it's fantastic and ultimately, sent the fans home happy again. A very long trip for them, but how big a motivation was that for you?
9: Uh, look, it's huge. I mean, they come out and force no matter where we go, win, win, lose, draw. They're always there supporting the team. Um, they're massive for the for the club and massive for the for the city. So it's fantastic to see them all travelling down and being a part of this, and it's nice that we can send them home
5: happy. And just finally, attention's turned to the cup in midweek. You've scored once already in that competition. How big an opportunity could that be for you?
9: Look, definitely. I mean, I want to keep my run going. Um, I'll be looking to start on on Wednesday and, and hopefully continue. It's a lot, it's a chance for a lot of us boys that haven't played a, a lot of minutes to to show our stuff and uh, hopefully put an impression in the gaffer's mind to know when we're called upon, uh, we're ready. And you're flying in the league. Can you do
5: that in the club as well? Can you take that into that competition?
9: We've definitely got a big enough squad to to compete in both. Um, And that's what we're about. We're a big club at the the end of the day nowadays. We've got a good squad um, right the way through. Um, So I don't see why not. Yeah, Eddie Howe, he's done a wonderful job with
0: Newcastle. It wasn't that long ago that they were playing in the First Division or in the Championship and then got back into the Premier League and were in relegation zone. Eddie Howe came in, kept them up and clearly... The club being put in the hands of Saudi owners and basically got a country backing them now and you sort of feel that Newcastle will end up becoming sort of a Manchester City, a Paris Saint-Germain. Not sure whether it's necessarily good for football, but it is what it is. It's the the, the professional football environment at the moment. Um, these countries sort of see football as a way of um, public relations as much as anything. Maybe for some it's just simply ego. I'm not sure what the rationale is but FIFA do just need to keep an eye on it you cannot have countries who are prepared to pay anything for a player and then just driving up the market value of players to the point where most clubs just simply can't afford it Um, Ben you were talking about the Wellington Phoenix they had a win on the weekend beating MacArthur four goals to one some very good goals
7: on that one from Clayton Lewis yeah Clayton Lewis scored a stunning free kick goal from outside the box just curled it straight in uh, I think he, I think he even was quite surprised the ball went in, but uh, it was fantastic and was a good way to respond to a pretty uh, scrappy first half from the Knicks. And I think they just conceded as well just before the goal came along, and then uh, the Phoenix I think scored three goals in a space of about fifteen minutes. So uh, good, good. I think it was their first one of the season, but it was a, a absolutely fantastic. A free kick goal from, as I say, outside the box. I think any, I think a Premier League player would have been delighted with that, to score that. So for Lewis to pocket that was brilliant.
0: Just run through those results for the A-League while we are talking football. Phoenix 4, MacArthur 1, Western United getting beaten by Adelaide United 4-2. The Brisbane Roar getting up over Sydney FC 3-1. We had the Central Coast Mariners beating the Western Sydney Wanderers 3 goals to nil. Melbourne City FC beating Perth Glory 4-0. And the Melbourne Victory getting up over the Newcastle Jets. We'll take a break. When we come back we'll head to London. We'll catch up with football commentator Guy McRae. 10.30, 10.30, you're listening to SENZ, you'll never walk alone. You can never get enough if you'll never walk alone. We are talking Premier League football. We have gone through the results. We've heard from a number of the managers in their post-match press conferences. Let's now go live to the UK, catch up with football correspondent. He's a big Tottenham Hotspur fan. He is a season ticket holder. His name is Guy McCrate Morning to you, Guy, Welcome.
1: Good morning, Watto. You're going to be kind to me this morning.
5: Well, it's, it's,
0: it's interesting, <laughs> you know, I was saying, because I'm, we exchanged a little bit via social media and I just sort of sensed you just had a feeling that your side was going to lose to Liverpool where I was sitting there going, yeah, I just can't see Liverpool beating Spurs. I mean, there's just not enough from this Liverpool team to suggest that they were good enough, particularly away from Anfield, but you were right. Am I correct in saying that, that you had a bit of a bad feeling on this one?
1: I think you're, uh, you're absolutely so with that. I mean, it, it's funny, isn't it? All football fans get pessimistic about their teams to a degree. You are no different in that sense. But I see something beginning with Liverpool here in an attacking sense. And we saw that. I mean, principally the king of Egypt, Mo Salah, uh, back to it. Uh, just deadly in front of goal with, you know, comparatively few chances. On the other side of things, as you're suggesting, I watch Spurs every week. Uh, Yesterday was the sixth time in a row they've conceded the first goal. I know Liverpool have had issues with that as well, but this is a real thorn in the side of Tottenham Hotspur at the moment that they just, Antonio Conte can't, the players can't find a solution to. It's the 13th time in 20 games this season that you fall behind. And, yep, Spurs on the other side of it have shown real resilience in the second half of matches. They were they were very good, much improved, pressed a lot higher up the pitch against uh, Liverpool yesterday and were better in that second half. But the truth is, Watteau, that you can't give teams. The English Premier League is, in many ways, the most competitive league in, football league in the world. And you can't give teams with the quality of player, for all Liverpool have had their problems, you can't give that sort of team with that sort of quality in their lineup head start like that, a 2-0 start in that sense, and expect to keep turning it round in the second half of matches, as Spurs have been doing. Uh, you can't expect to do that and always turn it round, and that is, as I say, a big problem for Spurs at the moment.
0: If you could sit down with Antonio Conte one-on-one and share your <laughs> thoughts about the first half of Spurs' games, what would you change? What message would you like to get through to him?
1: Start quicker. It's <laughs> as simple as that. Um, it's it's amazing. You've got an amazing stadium there. I'm there every every other week. Uh, everything's set up for success, and the players come out for whatever reason, whether it's home or away. But I mean, at home, obviously, it's more galling. Uh, they just don't perform in the first half. It's almost like the handbrake's on, you know, if you think about it in a driving uh, analogy here. And then they drop the handbrake when they have to. Jurgen Klopp talked about that yesterday. Spurs had to go for it, had to attack. It's almost like this team has to fall behind to start playing properly. And, you know, Wadda, you and I have talked about this. There's a lot of respect for Tottenham Hotspur and that squad in the rest of the Premier League and the quality that it's got. And we saw that in the second half. Um, I think from Spurs' point of view, I think having Dejan Kulisewski back for 25 to 30 minutes uh, yesterday and, well, we've only got a couple of games before the World Cup break, of course, but having him back is huge. You could see that Liverpool couldn't really handle him in a way that Spurs couldn't really handle Darwin Nunes in in the first half, particularly of that match. Um, But it's absolutely mystifying why the team, with all that support, everything set up seems to be so flat in starting matches. It was the same in the Champions League. Uh, against Marseille in the first half there before they memorably turned it round and and qualified for the round of 16. It's been the same in so many matches. And (laughs) what Conte's talked about it, that he's not sending the team out there to start slowly. Who do you pin the blame on? Is it the quality of player at the back? It's a difficult one to pin down, to be honest.
0: How important is Kulisyski to your side?
1: Huge, huge. Uh, Spurs have missed him every, I think, every single match. Uh, the intensity he brings, his quality, uh, close ball control, um, just his nails, his brains, uh, really, on the ball uh, that the Swedes got, the ginger Swede, as we call him, uh, in, in the in the Spurs' support. So, so it's big. It's unfortunate that it's only a couple of games, as we say, before the World Cup break, uh, but it was good to have him back. Uh, you could see, for instance, Harry Kane, uh, who he set up for the for the Spurs' goal, Uh, Kulusevsky, you could see that Kane immediately responded to that, the quality uh, that the Swede brings. It's big, it's just disappointing in the context of things, in trying to chase Arsenal as the rest of the league are doing, uh, Man City included, that Spurs have had to miss someone of that quality for so long.
9: Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it hurt losing, clearly, to Liverpool as being a Spurs fan, but it probably would have hurt just as much. The Plastics were beaten at home, so Chelsea getting beaten by Arsenal, one goal to nil, you would have had your fingers crossed. You would have been a Chelsea fan, I would imagine, in the lead-up to the Spurs-Liverpool
1: game. Uh, yeah, but to be honest, what so for some whatever reason it is, when Chelsea turn up to play Arsenal, they don't have the same intensity as when they play Spurs. Uh, You know, they haven't beaten them at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea haven't been in Arsenal now in five seasons uh, in the Premier League. Uh, We all know the problems that that Chelsea give Spurs in in Premier League meetings. That's a bizarre one for me, how they just don't turn up. There's a bit, to be fair, a bit of extra narrative to that. Graham Potts is early on in his time at Chelsea uh, still struggling for the best formation, really, and that's affecting someone like, for instance, like Raheem Sterling, who's trying to build some form going into the World Cup for England. So um, they were kind of right there in a sense. And, and to be fair, Arsenal have got momentum. We can all see that. They, they, they deserve that victory uh, overall at Stamford Bridge, and that's coming from a Spurs fan uh, watching that. Um, they're, they're a team, actually, funnily enough, you talk about Spurs and a few other teams maybe want the World Cup break at the moment. Arsenal don't want it. Uh, you know where they're at at the moment. They w- they want to keep playing uh, right now. Whatever the you know the competition, the format, uh, they come out with their attacking brand of football. They're being fortunate at the moment because they're not getting many injuries. Uh, their first eleven is is bang high in confidence at the moment. Uh, as I say, they're not getting those key injuries. Say to the likes, you know, consistently of a Thomas Party. Um, William Saliba at the back has been a revelation for them uh, coming in this season as being their best defender Martin Odegaard, captain excellent for them as well Gabriel Jesus as well didn't score wasn't that clinical against uh, Chelsea but Mikel Arteta's talked about that about what he brings to the team uh, that they haven't had in terms of his work off the ball uh, his general team play as well so they're in a good moment as Graham Potter said himself was. so? I mean, as I say, they don't want the World Cup break to come, but they're, they're in a good place right now. You know, if not, if you would, you know, for instance, you would assess it and say, OK, Manchester City is still most people's favourites over the course of the season, although we have no idea coming off the back of the World Cup break what's going to happen uh, to all these teams who've never been in this situation before uh, for all the teams in the English Premier League. Um, but the, the, the fact is, Arsenal, what's the goal primarily for the season? It's to return to the Champions League, what they should have done. You know, they, they they spectacularly capitulated last season to hand it to Spurs, that place, that fourth place, and the spot in the Champions League. They're in a very good place to do that right now with the start they've made and ally that to the difficulties of Chelsea and Liverpool. Man United losing yesterday as well, just to halt their momentum a bit. You know, Arsenal with the points on the board are in a very, very good spot for that right now for Champions League. Uh, at the very
0: least, I'd say. Uh, yeah, I mean, people have, and I still believe Manchester City will win this, and people have been looking at Arsenal, been looking at Spurs, but Newcastle have just been slowly mm. building some momentum in the background. Yeah. You look at this team, Trippier, Botman, Byrne, uh, Willock, uh, Murphy, Wilson. I mean, it, it's not a bad side. You've got Longstaff as well. Chris Wood, the New Zealander scoring the second goal in that victory over Southampton. Are they mm. genuine contenders? Can they do what perhaps Leicester City did, you know, back in 2016?
1: Why not? I know you think highly of them. Uh, what are you've outlined there? Um, Eddie Howe, someone who I've wanted at Spurs uh, for a number of years, back to when he was at Bournemouth. Um, what they've done, uh, what they've done in Newcastle, is they haven't, yeah, they've gone and spent money, uh, but they haven't done what everyone would have expected them to do and go and you know buy the, the Galacticos, if you like, the star names. What they've done is they've brought in proven Premier League players along with someone like a player who I think is instantly one of the top five midfielders in the English Premier League at the moment, uh, Bruno Guimaraes, uh, who they brought in as well. Uh, They've signed him. And you've got Eddie Howe knitting it all together. You've got the experience of someone like Kieran Trippier, who's having an, an amazing season so far. And on top of it, as you suggest, they're in the top four now, just gone ahead of Spurs into third. And we all know what they can do now in January. They can add two or three players uh, and they, who knows, they could get themselves in the shakeup, uh, you know, overall, because they've got that manager. They've got a very well-drilled style. If they can keep Callum Wilson fit, for example, as you say, Chris Wood's coming in, uh, contributing goals. Chris Woods has been in an unfortunate position because Wilson's been doing so well. Uh, and we've had Miguel Almiron as well. who just can't stop scoring uh, for the Magpies at the moment. Um, so they've got options there. Uh, And as I say, on top of it, a clear style of play that they've got, a manager who the players are all believing in, plus the ability to add players uh, in January. They can spend money for fun if they want to. But it's very smart, isn't it? The whole uh, approach from Newcastle United. And I think that's the thing that's surprising people because they just expected them to go and splash the cash and uh, maybe deliver some big results but not have the consistency overall. Mm-hmm. But that's what they're getting together now. And they are formidable. You know, it's not to win the league overall. They are another team who are putting mm-hmm. themselves in a good spot for top four. And I've got to be honest, Watto, that's earlier than I expected. Every, if, if that happens, everyone's expecting them to be top four to contend for the Premier League in the next few mm-hmm. years. But if they were to get top four this season, I mean that is a huge outcome if they could go on and do that.
0: Yeah, it's a hell of an environment, St James's Park too. What a place to go and travel to. What a mm. wonderful ground to have as your home ground.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well they've they've always they've always had that as well. And and you know, the fans obviously there's a lot of talk around the nature of it, the takeover, uh the misgivings that some of the Newcastle United support have, uh, you know, not least around that, but there's a sense that there's a moving on uh, from that as well. And, hey, any football support, not least a football support like Newcastle United that have been starved of success for so many years, uh, you know, they're going to buy into this. They're going to buy into what Eddie Howe's doing. They're going to buy into the brand of football uh, that they're bringing with the quality of players. They've got the attractiveness, the easiness on the eye, allied to a bit of steel as well uh, in the back line that you talked about already there. Uh, no, it, it's all set up for Newcastle United. It's, uh, you know, the phrase is, isn't it, it's a sleeping giant in a sense. I mean, they don't have the, the track record historically of winning loads of trophies. But, you know, they are a big club up there, as you're suggesting. they a massive fan base, massive fan support, and now seem to have the other elements in the, in the toolkit to go on and perhaps do something this season and beyond.
0: 18 minutes away from 11, you're listening to SENZ. Guy McRae, football correspondent out of the UK, my guest on the program. Just some texts that have come in, Guy, that I'll just get you to address. Um, mm-hmm. Song Hyun Min, sure. uh, is he going to be available for South Korea at the World Cup? Where is he with his injury?
1: Uh, well, he's had surgery, Wado. Um You know, you talk about yesterday with Liverpool. Song Hyun Min's given Liverpool huge issues in the past with his uh, with his pace um, on should, the transition. We should have signed him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Klopp's been trying to, hasn't he, at the end of matches, you know, putting his arm around him and whatever, but we won't talk too much about that at the moment. Uh, no, uh, Sonny, uh, well, obviously he's out of our uh, a couple of games. Uh, it's touch and go uh, with, with the surgery. They're kind of keeping that under wraps at the moment, seeing how he recovers from that. It's clearly a huge blow for him if you think of... Uh, you know, a, a player that represents his nation. Uh, how influential he was in getting South Korea to the to the FIFA World Cup. I mean, that would be huge. We we talk about a lot of players who are missing uh, the World Cup due to injury, the likes of Paul Pogba, for instance, uh, for France, who was was so big four years ago for them in Russia. Uh, but for Son Heung-min, I think round football that would be a massive disappointment because they know how much how important he is, how much it means to him, how how much. He represents his country, how important he's been in getting South Korea there. So fingers crossed. I mean, it's it's touch and go uh, at the moment, 50-50 on that. But he's definitely out for the next couple of games. Hopefully he can return. Uh, and then, of course, uh, from a Spurs point of view, can return at the end of the year after that and, and inspire Spurs on to greater things, perhaps.
0: Gareth Southgate expected to name his England team on Thursday. The cut-off day officially by FIFA is November the 13th, which is a Sunday who are likely to be some of the surprise picks and who are likely to be some of the surprise omissions? What's your gut feeling? What are you hearing?
1: Mm, um, well, what I, we talked about it on the programme before. I mean, James Madison's the big talk at the moment uh, because, uh, myself included, I don't understand the Leicester City midfielder, why there wouldn't be a spot in the England squad for him. Everyone knows that England have been struggling um, in recent times to create even with the forward players that they've got behind that, maybe lacking a bit of creative touch. James Madison, for me, someone that I've won in the Tottenham Hotspur for years um, as well for, for Spurs to sign him. Uh, I think this is made for him to come in, not necessarily to start, start matches. We all know how Gareth Southgate performs. And to an extent, Waddo, you can't argue with Southgate on that when you get into major tournaments with the last couple of tournaments in England. He gets the results. Uh, but I think there is. It's crying out for England to have a creative option uh, in the middle of the park. Um, so Madison, is he finally going to get picked? Southgate's been kind of quite stubborn on that. Uh, but the, the clamour for him now, and crucially, look at what he's doing. Look at what he did at Everton again on the weekend, the two assists. He ran the show uh, overall. So I'd like to think there's a spot for him. But the big thing, what over the rest of the team is that question of loyalty. Southgate is very loyal uh, to players. And I'm uh, thinking here, I mentioned him earlier, of Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling has got you know, very, very little form going into the tournament. You think about the forward players that the England have got, the options that they've got there. Someone, for instance, like a, a Callum Wilson or Ivan Tony at Brentford, these sorts of players that want to force their way into the squad, attacking players, you know, strikers, forwards, um, if you like. He's a bit under threat. But then you look at him, how well he's performed at major tournaments in the past. Southgate trusts him, not least at Euros, where he got those three goals. Two of them are winning goals. Uh, overall. So it's going to be fascinating to see, does Southgate stick with him? Does Southgate stick with Harry Maguire? uh, Who's been a rock for him at the back. Uh, But Maguire is still really, really short of form overall when he's played for Manchester United. Um, You look at Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer's has come back in from a Spurs point of view, just into the squad just now, but a howler yesterday to give Mo Salah uh, his second goal for Liverpool there. So, Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Does Southgate really stick stubbornly, loyally to players who he's trusted and who he's brought into the team? Or does he give it a bit of freshness at 11th hour with it coming into the tournament? I'm really not sure on that.
0: Anybody talking Harvey
1: Elliott? Maybe a little early. Um I was impressed with him again yesterday. Uh it was interesting, are you'd have a you'd have a view on this as well. I was looking at with Spurs fans at the Liverpool starting lineup and I said, I think that's their strongest eleven mm. now that started yesterday. And Harvey Elliott was in it. You know, there's no Jordan Henderson there, no James Milner obviously as well. Um Harvey Elliott's made great strides overall. He's gonna be a big part of things. Um you look at where he plays where he played for England in the team though, is there a slot for him to to come in. Calvin Phillips has just come back as a need to into training as well. He's been part of Southgate's team. You've got this as well, haven't you? You've got players who maybe not aren't 100% at the moment. How much does Southgate, think about how much England have been burned in the past at major tournaments, trusting a player that they'll be fit for the tournament and doesn't quite work out. Elliot's bang in form. Would you go with that, with that, that youthful exuberance that he's got, that he's demonstrated even in in Liverpool's difficulties this season, he's probably been the best player, as or, or, or at least the bright spot, Wado, in, mm. in Liverpool this season. Um, does Southgate Southgate doesn't really have much of a, a you know, a history of doing that of really going for a, a bit of a, an out there suggestion uh, of a player, bring a player through. Does he do that now? Um, who knows? Uh, but yeah, as you say, not long to go. Still games as well to come. That's going to be an interesting thing with all the English Premier League teams. Uh, we've got the League Cup, uh, the Carabao Cup coming up this week, and then the final round of uh, Premier League fixtures before the World Cup. Um, do players back off a little bit? You know, worried about getting injured now before uh, the start of the World Cup as well. But can you back off in the English Premier League? Does the league really allow you to do that with how? Um, how tribal, how intense, how competitive it is. There's so much going on here. It, it, it's a fascinating season uh, overall, and it's going to continue that way. Uh, I think going into the World Cup break.
0: Yeah, no, brilliantly summed up. Hey, look, just quickly, I've got a minute. This uh, text come in, tongue in cheek, but it just wants to know how much you hate Arsenal out of ten.
1: Oh, it's pretty much up there, isn't it? Well, well, I mean, it, it, it's... <laughs> between <laughs> between nine and and particularly at the moment, between without playing, and, um, between nine
0: and twelve out of ten.
1: Oh, 12's not even doing it. Higher, please. Higher. Yeah, I think we might
0: leave it there, Guy. Hey, look, lovely to have you on the programme. And um, look, you're very blessed to live over there and be up and personal and so close to what is really just the world's best competition in all of sport.
1: No worries at all. Speak to you next time, Watto. Take care. Thank you. Guy McRae out of the UK.
0: It is 11 minutes away from 11. We are happy to take your calls on 800 150 811.